Chronicles, a podcast for the fans of the 80s show Scarecrow and Mrs. King. I'm Lexi Fima, and joined with my friends Jen Peterson and Taya Johnston. Unfortunately, Miranda Thomas was unable to join us this evening. Tonight, we're going to be talking about Season three's The Boy Who Could Be King. This episode was originally aired as number 19. However, it is number 21 on our revised list. It originally aired on March 10th, 1986. Sidney Hayers directed this episode. He was born in August 1921 in Edinburgh, Scotland, and died in February 2000 in Spain at the age of 78. This is Mr. Hayer's first SMK episode, but certainly not his last. In fact, we will be discussing him again on our next podcast as he directed season three's finale, All the World's a Stage. And he returns to season four with The Man Who Died Twice, Santa's Got a Brand New Bag, and Promises to Keep. He started his career in the 1940s in the sound department, working in the cutting room before focusing on directing. His first was Rebound in 1958. From there, he directed 67 more times for movies and TV. He directed eight of the Avengers episodes, one of the Hardy Boys Nancy Drew mysteries. He directed part one of the miniseries The Last Convertible, which Bruce was in. Episodes of The Fall Guy, The Greatest American Hero, Magnum P.I., Remington Steele, T.J. Hooker, Cover Up, Airwolf, Hunter, Hardcastle McCormick, Knight Rider, A-Team, Baywatch, and his final project was CI5, The New Professionals, in 1999. He was nominated for a Hugo Award in 1963 for Best Dramatic Presentation, Night of the Eagle. A Hugo Award, uh, for those who didn't know, I had to look it up, is an annual literary award for best science fiction or fantasy works and achievements. The Hugo is widely considered the premier award in science fiction. The writers are David G.B. Brown and Lee Maddox. We've talked about both of these writers before as they've done several SMK episodes. Brown wrote seven SMK episodes, starting with J. Edgar's Ghost. This is his third of the seven. The remaining four are in season four. Brown was born in January 1947 and died in September 2014 at the age of 67. His last writing job was for Hunter in 1989. Maddox was the story editor on 15 SMK episodes from 1985 to 1986, the executive story consultant on 12 SMK episodes from 86 to 87, and was the executive story editor for four episodes in 1986. He wrote seven episodes of SMK for season three and four. He was born in 1946 in France and died also in September 2014 in San Francisco, California at the age of 68. So the the same month and year as Brown, they died died just uh, days apart. And uh, his last gig was on Night Court in 1992. He's young. 68 is not old. No, I know. Especially as, as we get older, they, the, the age doesn't seem as old <laughs> the further closer you get to it. For the guest stars, we have a few returning characters that we've discussed in depth before, so we'll just mention them here. Shirley Anthony as Mrs. Marston, Raleigh Bond as T.P. Aquinas, and Joseph Rootsman as Ephraim Beeman. Michael Bell, who played King Edmund Spencer, was born in July of 1938 in Brooklyn, New York. He has been married to the same woman since 1968, and they have one daughter. He's been acting and doing voiceover work uh, since 1956. He was on an episode of the Mary Tyler Moore Show, Mannix, Barnaby Jones. More importantly, he played opposite Kate Jackson as Sabrina Duncan's ex-husband, Bill, in two episodes of Charlie's Angels. He was also in the Rockford Files, Chips, and Three's Company. He was even more prolific Uh, with his voiceover work. 
uh, you, you name the cartoon and he was in it. He was the voice for Zales Diamond Stores as well. He has a total of 378 acting credits. That includes the voiceover work. Uh, and his oh, latest, no. I know, and his latest project was DuckTales in 2020. So he's still active right now? Yes. Very cool. Yeah. Donna McKenchney, who played Sandra Wall, was born in November of 1942 in Detroit, Michigan. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> she has only 17 acting credits, which include 24 episodes of Dark Shadows in 1970. Unfortunately, she and Kate weren't on the, the same on the same episodes. Uh, she was also on Cheers, Family Ties, Magruder and Loud, Fame, Smash, and her last role was uh, Miss L., on 36 Saints in 2013. Some interesting tidbits on Donna. She graduated from Troy High School, which is the city that Lexi and I work uh, during non-COVID years. She had the starring role in Bob Fosse's Sweet Charity. She won a Tony as Best Actress for a Chorus Line. The character of Maggie in a Chorus Line is partially based on her, her childhood. So that was kind of cool. To round out the entire family of uh, this episode, Larry Cox, who played the son of Sandra and Eddie, Terry. Uh, He has 18 acting credits, but his very first role was uh, this one as Terry Wall. So pretty good introduction into acting, if you ask me. He went uh, on to shows like Family Ties, Knott's Landing, Who's the Boss, Heathers, uh, Designing Women, the Outsiders, Malcolm and Eddie, Friends, Third Rock from the Sun, and his last role was on three episodes of The West Wing in 2002. Finally, we will spotlight William Schallert, who played Ambassador Crowley. Mr. Schallert was born in July of 1922 in LA, California, and died in May 2016 at the ripe old age of 93 in Pacific Palisades, California. He wow. was the president of the Screen Actors Guild from 1979 to 1981. He was married to the same woman, Leah Wagner, from 1949 until her death in 2015. They had four children. He was a composer, a pianist, and a singer. He had 386 credits starting in 1947. They include Bonanza, Perry Mason, Lassie, 77 Sunset Strip, Rawhide, The Lucy Show. He played Patty Duke's father on The Patty Duke Show. Uh, Mission Impossible, Star Trek, the original one. Uh, The Carol Burnett Show, Mod Squad, That Girl, Land of the Giants, Get Smart, Hawaii Five-O, The Partridge Family, Gunsmoke, Six Million Dollar Man, Barnaby Jones, The Bionic Woman, Chips, The Waltons, Lou Grant, Magnum P.I., Matt Houston, Gremlins, Highway to Heaven, uh, St. Elsewhere, Matlock, Quantum Leap, Murphy Brown, ER, and his last role was on Two Broke Girls in 2014. Very prolific, to say the least. Heck yeah. I think he might be the next highest, right? I think like, so. Um, probably on our show. I thought the king was going to take it, but no. uh, this guy got it by I think he did. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And, uh, you know, you do recognize him. And, I mean, those shows, a lot of them were before my time, obviously. I mean, 1947, that, that's like a year before Kate was even born. So, like... he's been around a long time but my mom watched the patty duke show i know that you know and and, uh hawaii five-o and all that mary tyler moore and the waltons but then you get into like the the gremlins highway to heaven saint elsewhere matlock quantum leap murphy brown er those are all from my childhood so i definitely recognize him he's definitely a, a, a strong character actor so anyways that's all for the guest stars So in this episode, Lee and Amanda attempt to prevent the assassination of an eccentric monarch who traveled to the U.S. in order to reunite with his long-lost son. So for this episode, we have the shooting draft dated February 6, 1986. And 
just from the start. The script opens completely different than what we see in the actual film version. And what it is, is it all happens on a, a ship. They call it a steamer that comes in into the Chesapeake dock. And so all the things that all the action that happens on the plane when you know, he comes off the plane, and then later in the at, at the end, you know, when they're, you know, they're kind of their chase part, you know, at the that end of the third act kind of thing, it all happens on the boat again. So instead of the plane stuff, when they're in the hangar and all that, it actually happens on a boat. So travels by boat yeah that that's what it that's exactly what it was he he traveled so it says just to give you an idea it says exterior chesapeake dock area day a battered steamer sporting a foreign registry flag is uploading cargo by crane in the background a salvage truck is picking up garbage bins and dumping the load in the rear of the vehicle so that happens on the at the at the airport Parked next to a collection of dumpsters, a man we later recognize as Crowley hustles over to the van, nods to a man sitting inside to get going. As the man leaves the van and cautiously makes his way to a nearby uh, stack of pallets, the man secures a silencer on a Colt 45 using a pallet as as support for a large silencer. The man draws down on the activity taking place aboard the ship. As the crane starts to unload a red Pontiac Firebird convertible from the deck, the top is down and the front fenders sport embassy flags. From the from the back seat, Ed, King Edmund Spencer, a late 40s man wearing a black jumpsuit, pops up and props himself on the rear seat. As the dock workers look on, the playful king pulls up a trumpet and blows a skillful rendition of body and soul as he and the firebird are lifted from the deck floor. And then oh it, it goes on from there. So it's all on a boat rather than the plane. So I thought that was an interesting way to open versus what we actually yeah. saw. So so instead, what we actually get is a plane coming in at Washington Airport. And uh, we see the banner, the flag, on the, the, the international flag on the, on the side of the plane. And then we do see the dumpster. And uh, a, a garbage truck is going through and picking up, picking those all up. Uh, then we see so a bunch of like canisters. I don't know what you call those things. Um, those big barrels. barrels. Yeah, barrels. thank you. Those big barrels. And you see a guy putting a silencer on. But now the the car that comes in, the red sports car, actually has Crowley. So Crowley's already in the states apparently, and he is picking up King Edmund. So he jumps in the back and he's uh, got his trumpet and he just starts playing and then Crowley drives off. But then you see the garbage truck has knocked over the would-be assassin and dumped him into the uh, into the uh, garbage bins, which I don't know how that would kill him, but I guess apparently it did. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it would. Yeah. Kind of like the, those, uh, that, that Pilsner killed uh, that one... That one baddie, you know? Yeah, they're these, these big barrels. I guess they're tougher than uh, what we think they are. Um, so, but do you you guys notice that the, the red sports car, Crowley stops, like, at the dumpster, like, hey, where's my shooter at? You know, spoiler yeah. alert, he's the bad guy, too. You know, it's like, yeah. just give it away. Right. <laughs> he, like, yeah. stops right there and looks like... Hmm. Like, yeah, like you were supposed to have been shot already. Now I guess I got to drive your ass home. You know, <laughs> it's just so funny. And then we see we're at the King house now. And we've never seen Amanda's house in this disarray before, even when it was cartoon, you know, when <laughs> it back in season two. 
and she was trying to be mother of the year. You know, it never looked like this. And this truly right. is what a garage sale looks like. I mean, it's they got it spot on. It's all the old kids' toys. It's the books, the clothes, the the miscellaneous sports, you know, pieces and things like that. It's 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 pretty good. It it yeah. looks just like what you would think a garage sale would look like when you're prepping one. <laughs> so painful. <laughs> you know what I used to do? I like year like 20 years ago I would do garage sales and then I'm like, this is ridiculous yeah. to make like 400 bucks. Screw it. I'll just donate the stuff, you know? Yeah. I did it once. Yeah, it's it not worth end. it. Yeah, it's so not worth it. So yeah, much effort. Oh my god, they'll be like, and they come up to you and they're like, "How much is this?" You're like, "Well, it, it says a dollar right on there." You know, it's like clear as day, and they're like, "But how much is it really?" And you're like, "A dollar!" Like, come on, man. What is, yeah. we're gonna bicker about everything? You know, uh, Dottie and the boys are preparing for the the garage sale now. So he's not selling the gr- the actual goldfish. He's just selling the little tank. Is that the idea here? I think so. But yeah, that's sure. They're not going to live very long in those tiny little bowls. <laughs> I know. They, you can't. And also they have that whole fish tank over by the, the den. There's like a whole big fish tank over there. So why do they need, why do oh. they have that little tank, I wonder? Or maybe they're just going to slap those the little round red dots on those individual Bowls and sell the goldfish. But, yeah. but they said, oh, yeah, they do say I'm not sticking price tags on the goldfish, Einstein. So I guess they maybe they are selling their goldfish. That's horrible. I know. <laughs> oh, I mean, I know they're just fish, but they have feelings too, man. Right. Amanda does say later that they're yeah. putting their goldfish You're right. The little, t- their little tiny goldfish. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, so they're getting all this together and uh, Amanda comes in. She seems very, you know, like when you're rushing, when you're late and you're, you're having a bad day, uh, she just seems like she's just having a a rough time uh, with it. And uh, apparently the cab that she called 15 minutes prior hasn't, hadn't shown up yet. So now she's got to call to get another one. And the boys think, the boys think they're going in the poor house and that's so typical. Like your parents, you know, you overhear your parents say something and then you like go to the extreme on it. They're like saying, Oh, you know, this will be out of the poor house in no time. And, <laughs> and I don't did, uh, I was hoping Jen did a, did a gend it and uh, looked this up. But Dottie says, I would choose my words more carefully, darling. She says only a prop. This is only a property tax increase, not pounding at the door by Simon Legree. Who is that? I don't know who signed. I don't get the. Okay, I was wondering who that is. Like, what does that even mean? I can can, can look it up. Uh, Maybe just real quick. I don't know who it is. Is I I was gonna look it up and I forgot. Legree, L E G R E E. There he is. Okay. He was a cruel slave owner. Oh. A northerner by birth, whose name has become synonymous with greed. Oh, okay. All right. (laughs) Because he was a well, I don't know if there are very, were there very many nice slave owners? I don't think so. Apparently, he was a character in Uncle Tom's Cabin. So it was a whole, whole story and Simon was a particularly bad slave owner. Oh, so okay. I, All right. Well, thanks for looking that up very quickly. And he whipped and beat Tom to death. <gasps> Oh, in Uncle Tom's cabin. wow. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. then I, now I get the, uh, the, uh, <laughs> yeah. what she was saying there. 
Oh, That's wow. Brutal. That is brutal. Well, you know how when you're kids, you like overhear something and you're like, oh my God, <gasps> like your parents are fighting. Oh my God, my parents are getting divorced. You know, and you're like, no, they're not, you know, <laughs> although maybe well, that has happened. But yeah, for sure they are. And they're, they're willing to, uh, they seem like they've always been like a unit, like a team, you know, a family unit you know, and other things that they've done. Amanda seems to have the, you know how things happen? <laughs> like your refrigerator dies and then your dryer goes and then, you know, your car breaks down or something. It's like all just tends to pile up. Yeah, in threes. It seems like that's what her issue is here. Uh, she asked if the mechanic called and she's like, oh yeah, he went on with mechanical things. I don't understand. She goes, how much? She goes, 350. She's like, oh. And he, and, and the boys go, there go the goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, forget it. The goldfish are just fine. I'll just have to get a, a bigger loan. <laughs> so she needs to get a loan because she's got, I I can't remember. I think it's two, two different. Um, it's a lawnmower, right? So it's a lawnmower and some, it's another, it's an appliance. I like it though, because it's so realistic for a house, you know, not a housewife, I should call her housewife, a single mom. Trying to balance all these finances. Yeah, for sure. Everything breaking down. On a a part-time salary. I mean, honestly, I'm sure she, you know, she gets, we know she doesn't get alimony, but she definitely gets child support. So I'm sure that helps. But still, I'm sure it's not a huge amount either. Right. But yeah. Things are expensive. Yeah. Yeah. But it does seem like that. Like something will break and then all of a sudden it's like everything's done, you know, like this summer. (laughs) Right, Lex? My air conditioning uh, on my my yeah. central air on my house died, so we had to pay like six grand for that. Then my water heater went out, and luckily that was under warranty, but we still had to pay like six hundred dollars for that, I think, or no, a thousand dollars for that. Then we had uh, our our um, we have a bathroom down in our basement, so the injection pump died, so they had to replace that, and that was like fifteen hundred dollars. So it was like all in one summer, all those things just like, and you're just like, oh my god, this on top of being twenty twenty. You know, already being a crappy year. So it just seemed like that, though. It all comes in those at the worst time. And it always is such a pain. So I do feel for her here. Um, In the script, it's kind of funny in the script. Obviously, this is interesting because these guys have written for this show before. uh, And a lot of times. But it says, this is Amanda calling the cab company. Uh, She goes, no, goldfish will be will be fine. Uh, no goldfish. We'll be fine. I'll just have to get a little bigger loan. And at the phone, she says, hello, I need a cab, please. 2240 Meadow Glen Circle as soon as possible. Thank you. Uh, did Amanda move recently and I just wasn't aware of it or what? Because clearly they're at 4247 Maplewood. And she says that on the actual film version. But, uh, yeah, on here, she's, um, apparently moved. Or maybe she's walking a, a few blocks over to a neighbor's house. I don't know <laughs> why, but 2240 Meadow Glen. So there you go. It's a bizarro world. Uh, and, and Amanda lives at a different house, perhaps. Right. Then she goes over to the boys to have them give her a kiss. And <laughs> she's like, what have you got all over your hands? They're like, we put some stain on our old baseball bats. We're going to cash in on the antique craze. <laughs> and then they, she goes, give me a kiss. And then she goes, oh, don't touch me. <laughs> it was so cute. That's not in the script, though, by the way. The the cute little uh, ad libs they did there was cute. But their hands are totally stained. <laughs> That's so bad for you, by the way. The, the stain is? Yeah, getting stain. Yeah, dermal exposure to stain. It would take forever to come get to, to finally go out, too, I would imagine. 
Yeah, you absorb all that through your skin. I've used, I, I use, yeah, I use heavy gloves when I stain anything. It's funny that they think they've got the the answer to make money. Like, I know. Like, <laughs> They'll sell for more. Remember all the little uh, schemes you used to come up with as a kid to try and make money? You know, we we picked a bunch of fruit at my um, cousin's neighbors. We we tried to sell them back to the person who, who we picked it from. <laughs> And they oh, called no. us out on it. They're it was like, like oh, yeah, oops. <laughs> you know, but you, you come up with these schemes like lemonade stands or, you know, we're going to sell this or that. It's kind of funny. And then she gives her mom a kiss and then her mother a kiss and then uh, wipes it off really quick with the lipstick. They even have the little orange stickers that you put all over everything. And the bats do look like they've been uh, recently uh, stained too, which is kind of funny. And then uh, Dottie tells, tells her, I'll read them their rights. Oh, and that lady's walking her dog wearing the same damn outfit again. I swear to goodness, they need to watch her. She's she's like a Russian spy walking around in there, out right. there. So now in the uh, elevator is Lee and Ephraim, uh, played by Joseph Rutzman. In the script, it was supposed to be an agent named Perry, which we've never heard of before. It's all of Beeman's uh, lines. It's just they changed it from from being some unknown agent we've never seen before to Beeman, who we've seen, you know, a few times uh, since um, on this yeah. in this season. Uh, so it did switch to, to uh, Ephraim. Lee's definitely uh, had a rough morning, it appears. So he and Amanda are having a rough time. Uh, his hair is quite messed up and his shirt is completely undone, which I'm sure none of us mind. And then he's... Quite a colorful face. It looks like somebody went wild on him with uh, red lipstick all over him. And uh, yeah. he's explaining to Beeman, he goes, yeah, simple assignment. You give her the ID phrase, she'll counter. He goes, <laughs> <laughs> he goes, you give her the money, she'll give you the microfilm. He goes, not so simple. He goes, not, not so simple. He goes, the phrase was hold me. And the woman that I thought was my contact turned out to be a vice cop. <laughs> <laughs> and things got out of hand pretty quick after that believe me uh and then beeman's worried about his trans murder he goes yeah well get it off me will you i was supposed to pick amanda up an hour ago so i guess amanda didn't get her pickup from lee then she didn't get her first cab ride and then she finally got her second one hopefully presumably is anybody surprised that francine has dressed up dressed to the nines and and is looking like super chic uh to go beat the king <laughs> No. I feel so bad. She's so let down. You know, she has know. these expectations and she's like, I'm going to look good for this and I'm going to get into royalty. <laughs> and and then she's just let down so, so largely. It's crazy. <laughs> I do like how, how Billy's like, she has this, these ideas of grandeur of, of Prince Rainier and, and uh, Grace Kelly, you know, meeting and that's how, yeah. she, you know, but she met a prince before and he, he, he asked her to marry him. She turned him down. So she had right. her chance. She did. Mm -hmm. And this one's well, definitely a smaller country. Better yeah. title, though. King. <laughs> yeah, that's true. She's waiting for a king. <laughs> I guess so. I like how she holds her stuff when she walks in. It definitely fits her dress and her outfit. She's just very... Yes, very know. chic. Oh, yeah, exactly. I'm ready for action. Yep. I mean, she kind of does look, you know, like a princess die look there, you know, with the yeah. with the hat and the and the very formal dress and then the hair, yep. the coiffed, you know, hair and everything like that. So it, she's definitely uh, into it. 
And she's probably thinking, oh, I get to, you know, Amanda King doesn't get to do this. I'm getting this one, you know. (laughs) Yeah, she she doesn't know what she's in for yet. And Billy's just letting her go blind into it. He goes, but a couple of things uh, about the king. Make him feel welcome and review the world status report we compiled on Captafar. She goes, this isn't much of a status report. He goes, well, it's not much of a country. She's about the size of Rhode Island, population of less than a thousand, and strategically a zero. But King Edmund has a vote in the UN, and sometimes we need that vote. That makes sense. And she goes, wait a minute. It says here the Captafar's only export is fish bones. He goes, you got it. The bones are crushed into a pulp. It's formed into a product called a cuddle bone. You see them in bird cages. <laughs> horrible can you imagine that's your only claim to fame as your country you have fish yeah, bones <laughs> she's like have you guys ever had birds no <laughs> like, no, no. yeah have you when i was a kid i haven't had a bird i mean we grew up with them maybe for, oh, okay maybe it's elementary school my brother killed them and that was it <gasps> oh my god oh my god <laughs> He wanted them in his room, and then he never fed them, and we weren't paying attention. Oh, know, so, so he didn't murder them, per se, right. but he he just he let them. Oh, that's so sad. But it, Lexi's, Lexi looks like she stepped in some nasty poop or something <laughs> right now, her face. She does not like any type of birds at all. Like, won't even eat chicken or turkey. Nothing. Wow, that's serious. She is serious sure. about it. She is totally serious about like it. Them. Well, birds are interesting. She'll come over for dinner and she's like, no, this isn't chicken, right? <laughs> like, no, I, I swear it's not chicken. She is adamant. Yeah. So yeah. when we have podcast nights and when before 2020, she would come over. Lane's like, I go, we have a podcast tonight. He goes, okay, so no chicken. I'm like, right. No chicken. <laughs> you have to be careful because some birds live a long time especially like those parrots and stuff yeah Yeah. like 80 years 100 years man lexi you'd love it (laughs) lexi's like no i'm for life literally no Uh, if i were gonna get a pet like that i'd get a tortoise honestly yeah they live a hundred and some years right yeah they do wow that'd be crazy you don't want one that outlives you. You want one, I mean, like pets, like dogs should live longer and cats should live longer, but dang. Billy kind of leaves out some major parts about uh, Edmund Spencer. <laughs> Lee's kind of chuckling about it because he knows he's met him too. And uh, sh- he knows that she's going to be uh, caught quite off guard from all this because it's not going to be pretty. And sure enough, we'll, we'll see shortly. It isn't pretty. So, Francine and Billy uh, are walking down the corridor toward the elevators and they bump into Lee getting the transmitter removed from him. You know, they always, Francine and and Lee are like brother and sister. They always have to have these little barbs, you know, between them. And uh, (laughs) she goes, well, get lucky. And he he gives her a little, uh, blows her a little kiss, which is kind of funny. And then she blows one right back at him, which is funny. And then... uh, He's, he, I'm sure he doesn't feel so bad that, uh, that Billy hasn't told her about King Edmund at that point. And then Billy starts laughing. He has a little run in with the boys and girls in blue. And he doesn't find it funny. He just starts that belly laughing and Lee laughs sarcastically. He goes, girls, he goes, the one who jumped me could go one-on-one with the refrigerator and win. Not with a refrigerator, but the refrigerator. Do you know who that is, Lex? Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, no, I heard uh, refrigerator. Okay. So go ahead. Refrigerator is Refrigerator Perry from the Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. He was okay. uh, a humongous guy, like humongous, like a brick wall. Like you just, <laughs> you would be like running into a refrigerator, you know? Oh, okay. And he was on the 85 Bears. He was huge. And he's saying gotcha. he, 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 this woman could go against him and win. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. And then Beeman's all worried. He's like, this appears to be busted, Mr. Stetson. And Lee's like, well, that's not the only thing. Beeman is somebody that they just kind of dismiss. He's just like an analyst or, you know, a tech guy, geek, you know, tech geek. Uh, And he's just kind of like, yeah, we'll do whatever. I don't care, you know, about it. And so Billy and Lee are still having their their conversation. And he's like, I take it you didn't tell her about King Eddie. (laughs) And he's like, I didn't have the heart, poor thing. Francine sees herself as Grace Kelly meeting Prince Rainier for the first time. (laughs) He goes, you didn't tell him about your last brush with King Eddie. He goes, what was it? About 10 years ago, you went undercover as his side man for the DC Jazz Festival. He goes, that file is closed, Scarecrow. And then he goes, what was your nick? What was your code name again? Billy the Bopper or something like that. (laughs) He's like Billy Blue Note. That's a cute name, actually. It is a cute name, yeah. Billy Blue No. BBN. Yeah. That's what he calls him, too. BBN. <laughs> um, so if you guys, I know you guys know, but uh, if our listeners don't know, Mel Stewart actually did play the saxophone quite well. At first, when I saw the picture, I thought he was playing a tenor sax when he came into the um, into the jazz room the first time, because it looked a lot longer. But I think it's just because I, I watched it many times to make sure. But I think it's just because Mel's a smaller you know, person, it made the Elcho made it look like a tenor. With him. He's just kind of more, um, not petite, but just shorter. Um, yeah. But he, uh, he plays the Elcho, which if you play the Elcho, you can play I, I used to play the Elcho, and then I could play the tenor too. So anyways, it's, uh, he does play he did play um, the saxophone. So that's, you know, really him being able to play. And you can tell like when he plays at the end, you can totally tell he's actually knows what he's doing instead of these some people that they're just start blowing. They're like, if you see their cheeks get all blown out and everything, that's not how you do it. So uh, he definitely knows how to play, which is yeah. which is cool. I'm sure it was kind of fun for him to bring that part of his personality into the show, I would, I would think. Beeman just keeps talking. He doesn't care that they're having a whole conversation with him being in there. He goes, uh, we'll need to M13 malfunction report on this. And, and Lee's like, he goes, why don't you fill that out, <laughs> Beeman? I'm in a rush. He goes, what did you get in this thing? He goes, I don't know champagne turpentine <laughs> like what kind of case are you on that it could be champagne or or turpentine one of the two one <laughs> you don't want to ingest <laughs> only him uh there is one thing on here i forgot to mention when the three of them are walking into the bullpen for the first time mm-hmm. there's an actual boom mic that you can see up at the top of the screen just for a quick oh, really? little second, you can see it at the top. Yeah. It's like when you walk in on someone's uh, Zoom meeting or something, and you like see it and you're like, oh, oh and you like scoot away really fast. It's kind of yeah. like that. It's they can they know what's there and they move it really, really fast. Yeah. Now that Beeman has left and Lee is somewhat cleaning off his face that is clearly marred with uh, lipstick. Billy gets down to business and says, hey, you know, they found a John Doe at the Municipal Re- Refuse Center uh, deceased. And uh, he says, 
let's see, sanded fingerprints and bent passport. I'm not sure what bent passport, obviously sanded fingerprints, we know what that is. Uh, somebody trying to hide who they are. So it's usually somebody really nefarious, but uh, I don't know what bent passport means. Anybody know? Does it obscure their name or something if it's their name or their face or? That's what I'm wondering. Like, it seems like, like it's something it, to, to get past yeah. the system. I just don't know what. Then you can say, "Well, hey, it's just bent." Yeah, but they. I don't know if they used scanners back then. Did they? Like they do now? They don't think they had them. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, it's just coming up with like actual damage. Like, if I bend my passport, is it still usable? Okay. All right. Well, thanks for looking. So I would assume it's. Yeah, it's probably (laughs) something like yeah, just to to hide, obscure your who you are somehow. Although you would think they would just type in the numbers, but. I don't know. Because of that, because it's sanded fingerprints, bent passport, all of this, uh, state wants to find out who this guy is. Because I doubt anybody would pay much attention to finding somebody in the garbage. I mean, let's all go back, ladies, to Betty Bodine. Oh, right? I mean, she was found in the garbage bin, too. So this is now Lee's assignment is to find out exactly who this was. And the man had a matchbook and this name of Terry wall on there. And there's three people with that name in the DC area. And, uh, he's gonna, he's gonna go try and figure out who that is. And so Lee's like, all right, well, I have to go. I have, I was supposed to pick a man up, you know, an hour ago, over an hour now that he's been yakking around with Beeman and and Francine and Billy. And, uh, and he's like, hey, if you're going to talk to Amanda, have her come in and help. The work's piling up here. Knowing King Eddie, Francine won't last two rounds with him, and I'll have to find someone to replace her. <laughs> he goes, what about Billy Blue Note? And he gives him a look, and he goes, button it. <laughs> this is one of my favorite scenes. Like, just when I did videos and stuff, it was always fun to use this scene. When she comes in, and she whips that door open, and she gives him a look, and she's like, don't even, you know, even open your mouth. You know, it was always a fun one to kind of that fun action of it. And Lee's all happy. He's like, hello, Mrs. Marston. And now he's going upstairs. So he was going to not go get her still. Yeah. Like, what's up with that? Maybe he had to get his keys. <laughs> yeah, but he, I, I doubt it. He wouldn't have gone up, come in from that assignment, gone up and put his keys away and then come down and get him. Check his messages. <laughs> Hoping she's already there and he doesn't yeah. have to waste his time to go get her now. And so as he's making his way, she goes, Amanda King's been trying to reach you. He goes, oh, I bet she has. <laughs> She's going to kick your butt. And then she comes in. Good morning, Mrs. Marston. Oh, and yeah. don't you say anything that might make me say something that I would soon regret. You know, I have never understood that expression. If you're mad enough to say it, why should you regret it? Well, let me just tell you something. I have a property tax bill that's going to be due in a few days. My lawnmower and my station wagon have made a suicide pact with each other. My two small boys are going to have to put their tiny little goldfish on the auction block, all because somebody who was supposed to give me a ride to the bank this morning to see the loan officer forgot to pick me up. I'm sorry. Look, why don't you try the agency credit union? They won't give Better me rates. a loan. You have to be a full-time agent. You can work it out. Oh, come on. I'll co-sign. You would? Yeah, I sure would. Well, thank you very much. But sir. I can't do it right now. I've got a little ID check to make. See this fellow here? As of right now, he's a John Doe. Ooh. Now, none of the agencies have anything on him. But we've got three leads, so follow me. I could use your help. You have lipstick on your face. 
Lipstick. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, uh, Thank you very much, uh, Mrs. Marston. Really, it's very innocent. Um, it's okay. It's not it your color anyway. Was a... <clears throat> Go ahead. So, in the script, it is different. Lee comes down the stairs from the cue bureau. Amanda trudges wearily through the front door. She spots Lee and scowls. And Lee says, with false cheer, Hi, still talking to me? And she says, If you have an ounce of sensitivity, Lee Stetson, you will keep right on walking before I say something I'll regret later. (laughs) And he goes, and then he goes into that. I've never understood that expression. If you're mad enough to say it, why would you regret it? So he does go that, but it's a little bit more. She's like, if you have an ounce of sensitivity (laughs) that I would soon regret. And he's like, you know, (laughs) and Mrs. Marston just looks like she could just have a little bag of popcorn and just eat and watch them going back and forth. She has a front seat. Some of the most interesting interactions that she's had, uh, that she's been able to witness. I can imagine in her seat, it gets pretty dry. <laughs> yeah, Probably. Seriously. 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 Walk her dog in her day in yeah. <laughs> Although she did have that uh, incident where she was, sh- she yes. shot up the whole place. But yeah, yeah, That's you're true. right. <laughs> Those are probably very few and far between, unfortunately yeah. for her. <laughs> well, we just doesn't understand this kind of stress. Like kids, bills. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. Very true. She's got to tell him. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like he's feeling like he has to explain himself, which yeah, he doesn't have to. They're not dating or anything, right? So it's kind of cute that he thinks uh, he needs to explain it. But he has to. I know it's so cute. <laughs> they are at so, that yeah. point. I mean, it's you know what is this is pretty close to the end of this as uh, of the season. So I mean, in in our revised order, they kind of are dating. Like he was over yeah. at her house. They were yeah. having dinner. That's true. They kissed. Like they are definitely dating for sure. Like they're not in the you know they're not at the age where like friends with benefits is like the norm. Or right. Expected. Like that's true. Any sort of indication, like they're definitely dating. That's why we have that's a good point. Twenty one versus nineteen or something like. Yeah. That. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, no, you're yeah. exactly right. That's how I saw it too. Like he does have to explain. It's cute though. I, I love it. I think it's adorable. It's yeah, super cute. Yeah. I I was waiting. I'm like, is she gonna pat him on the butt? Like like scoot him up because she's like right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like when he, as he goes. Good. Like she didn't really ask about it. He mm-hmm. both. I think even more. It's, so yes. Like, he knows that they're serious. Like more serious than ever, so I you like that. Have a good explanation for it, for sure. <laughs> and and in front of Mrs. Marston. Yes, right. Yes. His face is given away too. Yeah, he definitely doesn't want to disappoint her. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially after he's just blown her off. What she thinks he's, you know, got blown off by him, but you know, obviously there's extenuating circumstances, uh, work duty things that came uh, up, but it does not look well when uh, she's furious with him. And then he's got lipstick all over his face, you know, a known playboy, you know, so it doesn't look good. (laughs) I will not read this as an Amanda antics. Oh, good. Oh, okay. Okay. Anything that she can demonstrate like that and he offers a cosign on a loan is definitely an antic and definitely a powerful one (laughs) and and the ramble it's a very amanda ramble you know the suicide pack the goldfish her little boys you know the auction block all that is very cute that's a good one yep definitely pulls at the heartstrings yeah (laughs) (laughs) and it shows their relationship too i think Mm -hmm. it's very sweet 
I like that. I'm glad you yeah. did that one. The whole lipstick thing here isn't in the script. The whole uh, you have lipstick on your face and, you know, uh, it's not your color anyways. All that, that's not in, even in here. Uh, they just go upstairs and and uh, he's explaining that they have to go uh, find out who that John Doe is. And that was it. So we definitely got a nice little ad. And I like it too because he's so sincere about it. He's not just trying to get out the door and take care of the case. He still he wants to help her and co sign. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. It wasn't play. Yeah. He wasn't placating to her. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I agree. I agree. It was you know like oh yeah like it wasn't even a a, a hesitation. He's like oh yeah I'll co you know I'll co sign with you, which it is a big deal. I've co signed for some people before. We had a nanny that needed a car and we co signed for her and stuff like that. You know, so. Mm-hmm. you know it, it is a big deal because if they don't pay for it it's on you you know legally you're the one who's gonna have to pay for it so uh, i yeah. think it's very sweet and very telling of their relationship too yeah so now we're at this apartment building which i've actually been to it looks guys it looks almost identical to this <laughs> it hasn't changed That's much crazy. at all has the pool we got to walk around the pool and everything like that and it's uh like on a corner i actually pulled a picture because i was curious but it's nice that you've been there yeah yeah i'll i'll i'll, I'll see if i can find some pictures it's an apartment complex i can't remember if it's i believe it's yes. yeah i believe it is i uh, that it still is and it is here too it says guest lodge apartments uh yeah. and and in in reality it, it's i believe it still is as well we kind of walked around and we could see you know you can see like different apartments in there it's sad that if it looks probably the exact same you know that they're charging like three times more rent than they did back oh then. for sure yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's um, it kind of has like a swiss swiss chalet kind of look to it you know that yeah yeah europeanish look but yeah it's definitely uh in california <laughs> and uh yep location 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 exactly yeah so i don't know how much they're going for we could probably find out if uh, because we have the address of the place so we could probably find out how much they are that'd be interesting to see you can see the the crest of the the embassy of cap defar what i wouldn't do to have that little sign oh man (laughs) that would be so cool This is how little this place is. They don't even have like a real embassy. You know, like if, have you guys ever been down on Embassy Row in D.C.? Like they're all these, you know, yeah. most of them are really beautiful, uh, architecturally just beautiful buildings that that they're in. And here you just have this little part. It's an actual apartment. It just cracks me up. <laughs> it's that tiny of a, of a country. Right we're seeing Crowley again so this is the man that has 386 acting credits guys which is amazing (laughs) he is at the top of our list I think of of acting credits right which I don't think is fair like if you have not that it's like a competition or anything but when you think about like IMDB if you look at Kate she's got like 58 credits but she's got Four years on The Rookies, so that's 88 episodes. She's got four years on Scarecrow, that's 88 episodes. She's got uh, 66 episodes on Charlie's Angels. She's got all the um, rook, uh, the Dark Shadows. She's got the, all the other, you know, Baby Boom, she had 13 episodes. So she's got all those, but it still only counts as, like, each show only counts as one. Oh, each, like, each character probably, too. Like, each character, each show only counts as one credit. That's crazy. Yeah, because she's only got 58. She's only got, like, 58. So how is that? But then you have these character actors, like this this guy, 
um, who, Shallert, who, you know, has one, you know, maybe one, maybe, you know, a reoccurring of 12 episodes or something like that. But he, he's got all these onesie twosies that he does. But then you got somebody like Kate or Bruce that, only, you know, they have a much smaller list because they are on series TV and like stars of the show. You know what I mean? Not again, yeah. not that it's a competition. Yeah. It's just, it's very skewed. Yeah, definitely. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Are you looking at it right now? I am. Yeah. yeah. Do you see what I'm saying though? Yeah. I, mean, I guess I never really noticed it, but yeah, that's, I mean, she's what the only female to have led five. Like, four or five shows. She's yeah, been, shows. yeah, the star in five shows. Yeah. Wait, in Family Guys, she played Mrs. Amanda King? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's so funny. There's two of them. Her and Bruce are on American Dad. The characters are together. They didn't record them together. And they're it's their voices being Amanda and Lee. Okay. And then Wait, I don't see American Dad. It must be it's, Family Guy, right? No, look on Amer okay, so look on uh as herself. It's further down at the bottom of IMDB. As oh self, eighty credits. Okay. Okay, look at that now. And look for American okay, Dad. Okay, all right, I see that. Yep, Deep Throats, I think it's called, the um, episode. Tears of a Clooney. Oh, okay, the other one's called Deep Throats. Okay, so Tears of a Clooney, say they walk into an, uh, to like a hotel or something like that. Okay, so yeah. that's that one. They recorded them separately, but they were on, they put, you know, the, the show, that particular show has them together. Okay, then oh. she was on... Um, it's kind of funny. She was on Family Guy. It was a quick thing. <laughs> he says, Peter says something about, you know, Scarecrow, Mrs. King. And then it's, it's Amanda and she's in a, in a alley and she goes, oh my God, what have they done to you? And it's, it's a scarecrow and he's got all his stuffing out and he goes, they, they took some stuffing and threw it over there and then they had some more stuffing and put it over there. It's so funny. Oh my god. And that's all it is. It's really quick, but it's really strange. funny. It was funny. You know, it's Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Yeah. It was kind of funny. And then they were uh, mentioned, it was mentioned on the, on the 80s show. Uh, remember they had the 70s show? That 70s show? Yeah. They also had yeah. uh, that's eight, that 80s show, you know, oh, really? for the next decade. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, and there was a sound clip that was really funny something was going on. I didn't watch the show, but I have the sound bite from it. And uh, somebody goes, wow, the sexual tension in here is so, it's so intense. It's like watching this uh, episode of Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. That's good. Yeah. True. Yeah. True. And true. Yeah. Very true. Especially now for, from the season yeah. on got sidetracked on that. But anyways, so Crowley talking to Soryakov and they're just outside the embassy. Now Crowley is supposedly this ambassador, but he seems to be like the maintenance guy too, which is kind of funny. And he and Sorokov are talking and Sorokov is definitely a bad guy. He's somebody who had hired the uh, assassin. <laughs> so that didn't work out so well. And now those two are talking. So now we all know we're all in on it that if we didn't catch the him looking at the dumpster uh, in the very beginning, uh, we now know that Crowley is a bad guy as well. And they're talking about how uh, it was a just an accident that the the shooter died and uh, that they'll get him. Crowley um, mentions that now there's a, a slight change to the plan and there there might need to be a new target that they're looking at. And that's all we're told at this point. And then uh, shortly thereafter, Sorokov leaves and now we see Francine show up 
and she's very confused because she's at an apartment building and she's looking for an embassy and she's expecting it to be this, you know, beautiful, like I said, how embassy row is in, in DC where you're expecting it to be this grand thing. And it's here it is this little tiny apartment complex. And she's like, can you help me? And he's like, yeah, what can I help you? And she's like, I'm looking for Captain Far. He goes, yeah, this is it. He goes, you'll find the, the embassy on the second floor. In the script, it says second floor. But because of later on when they filmed it, it needs to be uh, on the first floor. So they changed it uh, in the actual version. It's 114 in the actual version, but 214 on the, in the film version or uh, on the script rather. 214 in the script and 114 in the show. So she's like very confused. <laughs> and she and he's like, uh, she goes, I don't think you understand. I'm looking for an embassy. And he's like, he goes, yeah, that's the captive fire embassy. He goes, that's her king, King Edmund. And all of a sudden you see, what do you call that? The the hop? No, what are they doing? Oh, the um, conga line. Conga line. Oh, Thank okay. you. I couldn't think of it. But yeah, the conga line. And he's leading it. And all these people are having a good old time. <laughs> And she's like, oh, my God. And then she gets pulled into it, too, which is even funnier. Poor Francine. Poor Francine. (laughs) She even has, like, her leather gloves on. Like, she was ready. She was ready. It's, you know, because, you know, if she was prepared, she would have been fine. She would be the professional and could jump right into that if she was, if she knew what to expect. Exactly. But they she, sent her in there to Yeah, the yeah, exactly. Like she didn't realize, you know, the chaos. She would have dressed differently, which she does comment later what she would wear. But poor Francine's getting uh, indoctrinated into uh, the the wild life of King Edmund Spencer, and uh, uh, she's like, I don't believe it. <laughs> He goes, I can introduce you to his majesty if you'd like, or maybe I can help you. He goes, Lester Crowley, ambassador to Captain Farr. She's like, gives the man a limp hand and a look of wonderment. Speechless, she turns to the approaching conga line, which is signaling her to join them. That cracks me up. Okay, so there's some funny scenes coming up, which I just, I think these are hilarious. And they're even funnier in the script. Isn't she a little over the top with the the netting on the hat and everything? She was ready to meet some like British royalty, you know, like they were going to an event. They always have their fascinator hats on. Like she was ready to go, but unfortunately, that is not. That's not what she got. (laughs) (laughs) And she just has this look like, oh, jeez, are you kidding me? (laughs) I'm gonna kill Billy. (laughs) She just shakes her head. And the guy just pulls her in like, come on, little lady. All right. So now poor Lee, he's trying to get this truck mechanic guy to uh, take a look at the picture. And the guy is convinced he's there to uh, repossess his vehicle. (laughs) He goes, you're wasting your time. He goes, next thing you say, you're a cop and I should go downtown. He goes, he goes, no, 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 you got it all wrong. He goes, the minute I leave, your buddies are going to come repossess my truck. (laughs) He's like, what? He goes, I'm tired of being hassled, all right? No more stories, just take the truck. And then he squeezes, he's got an oil gun and he squeezes it and it hits him right in the shoulder on his leather. And Lee just has that look like, are you kidding me, dude? Like, I'm going to kick your ass. Well, in the script, it's a little different. He actually is not wearing the leather jacket and it gets all over his dress shirt, which, you know, is way, it's way easier to clean on the, on the jacket. And that's probably why they did it. Plus, I mean, the man has like, what, 18, 20 jackets. He can just replace it. He can just replace it. (laughs) 
this greasy slump sucker it just slipped <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like um in um pretty woman when she's like slip your little suckers oh yeah <laughs> and he goes this has never happened before and he's just like smiling he's like he's like give me that <laughs> i like when he does it like talks through his gritted teeth <laughs> Yeah. And then he takes it and then stuffs it in the guy's shirt. He actually fares a lot better than Amanda does. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the film version is funny, but I have to say the script is even funnier. It's a little more in, in depth into it. So in this in the film version we get she's talking to a shoe salesman and the guy's thinking she's trying she's a lonely, you know, housewife looking for some action and he's there to give it to her and is like, ew, dude, no, that's so gross. He's so gross. But listen to this. This is really funny. Wall, this is wall number two. Okay, Terry wall number two tries to act coolly indifferent as he puts away shoeboxes on a floor to ceiling wall rack. Note, resting on an easel in it is a mounted copy of a full page ad with a large photo of Terry wall number two standing next to a pyramid of shoeboxes. Amanda says, anything you could tell us would be a big help. He turns, giving her a big knowing smile. Listen, dollface, you don't have to play games with T-Wall. She goes, I beg your pardon? He goes, Make, he, he continues stacking the, the boxes. Why don't you try this scenario for size? You're a lonely, but lo- um, you're a lovely, but lonely lady. This morning, while you're sitting in the tub reading the morning paper, you happen upon my full page ad with yours truly standing next to a pyramid of loafers. It includes the full page ad. And then he continues. It was probably only a few seconds before your breathing got a bit heavy. The eyelids started to droop. And you heard yourself whispering, now there's a dude I'd like to meet. <laughs> Don't be embarrassed. Shoe, shoe guys and lonely ladies are often brought together by inventory sales. To Amanda, the man is obviously crazy, but she attempts a good-natured laugh touching the man's arm. She goes, I appreciate your sense of humor, Mr. Wall, but if you could just look at the picture. Wall reacts as Amanda steps toward him to show him the photo. He acts as if she's made a pass. He goes, you'd better be careful. I got a jealous old lady. Then the front of the store, this is what we don't see at all. To show uh, the front of the store, to show Lee as he enters the store. His shirt has been soiled by grease. He smiles to a large Zoftig saleswoman she ignores him and angrily turns her attention toward amanda and terry in the rear of the store so apparently that's his woman she says when will those flirts ever learn to keep their hands off my terry least momentarily confused as the now enraged woman grabs a shoe tree and stomps off toward the back realizing what's about to happen lee rushes to catch up with her Terry is leaning against the wall, a la James Dean, with a pencil hanging from his mouth like a hay straw. And Amanda, frustrated, says, please, you have the wrong idea. He says, hey, you're a gal. I'm a guy. And the saleswoman can almost be heard as she thunders into the area, the rear area. They react with horror. She's wide eyed and ready to lower the boom on Amanda with Lee right behind her. Terry Wall says, no, pumpkin. And she suddenly cocks her arm back and her backswing hits Lee squarely on the head. Everyone looks at Lee with a shock as he bends over and lets out a painful groan. <laughs> oh, my God. So then a little the, drama. the next scene then is 
Amanda talking about his stained shirt. And she goes, you know, if you soak that in buttermilk, I'm sure it will come out. And he says, I should probably soak my head in buttermilk. And she says, it still hurts. He goes, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> and then it goes on to the rest of the scene. But God, that guy, that shoe guy is so creepy. Yeah, he's really creepy. It's like, dude, no, 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 no. Like you would ever have a chance with her. <laughs> And he's so gross with the mustache and the hair parted. And Again, it's one thing to approach ladies nicely and say, like, you are really beautiful. I'd love to get a chance to right. show you. But to, but to be so skeevy about it, like, <laughs> ugh, he radiates, like, old white man energy with, with his approach with her. <laughs> old man like, white. <laughs> oh, my God. That cracks me up. So, again, they're down. They, they show her... She's dealing with the the shoe salesman. It's very brief, you know, and she goes, oh, you have the wrong idea. And then you see her walking down the street, which is supposedly uh, just, you know, a regular neighborhood, but she's down on her neighborhood again. So they they just keep using, it's like everybody lives down in Amanda's neighborhood. Because Millicent McDonald lived down there, right? And now, now Terry Wall and his mom live down there. It's just funny that everything happens down in Arlington. Yeah. So she's coming up uh, to the vehicle and gets in, which is, it's funny. We know why she does it, but she gets in on the driver's side and he's holding his head. So he's been hit on the head and that's why he's not driving. But we don't know that because the script, you know, we don't see all the stuff that happened in the script. So it's kind of funny, but that's why she was driving. And so they're in the neighborhood and they're right across the street from Terry Wall's house. Number three, they've already, they've already wasted their time at number one and number two. So this is their last shot. And of course it's the one they want to talk to. But then as they're sitting there, the red sports car with the Captifar international flags and such diplomatic immunity and all that is, is uh, pulling up and they see uh, Terry Wall, number three, 16 year old, and he's on a bike. And he's making, you know, deliveries with paper route or some type of some type of uh, papers that he's delivering. And so they're standing there watching, wondering what's going on and at least trying to figure out how they should approach how they should approach him. And now King Edmund is seems to be following uh, Terry on his bike. So he wants to talk to him as well, which makes Manda very, very nervous. Uh, rightly so. It's a little creepy. You know, two guys like following right behind the bike. Yeah. I don't know what's what's with his uh, glasses. Is it because of his head thing? Is that why he's wearing those glasses? Because they're like really, blue they're like blockers. blue. They have like blue blockers. They wrap around his whole face. And yeah, I hate those things, but they are probably pretty practical for people that wear glasses and stuff. Yeah, or have eye issues they can't get any sun. So it's probably because of his head, his headaches and stuff that he's that we find out he gets. Spoiler alert. Is why I'm thinking he he's on it. He has them, maybe? I don't know. Either that he has very bad taste. I don't know. <laughs> it could be that. It is the 80s, Jen. You're totally right. <laughs> he looks cool. I don't know. <laughs> no, he does not, ma'am. Yes. <laughs> so Lee tells her to follow him, and he'll try and think of something, you know, and how they can approach uh, Terry. Well, then they see that this other car is wanting to follow him as well which makes them a little nervous. So Amanda's staying back and it's kind of fun seeing her drive the Corvette. You don't get to see her doing it very often. Mm-hmm. I think it's good because it shows her she's in a position of like equal power. Yeah. To drive the Corvette. 
exactly. There is a doodle bug in front of them, too. Did you guys see it? No. It's right there. Yeah. Oh, why'd they take it off? Uh, probably because they didn't get paid for the advertisement of it. Yeah, it's it's in all the other ones. I think this or most of them. This is just the first time I've seen Corvette without the the back emblem. Like, if you look at the back bumper between yeah. the lights, it's gone. There's like three holes where it's supposed to be. Huh. I don't know. I was just curious. But yeah. Probably, I guess it could be for that reason, but it's pretty obvious it's a Corvette. For sure. But then stuff. if they didn't pay for it, then yeah. they're not going to get, you know what I mean? That's the only way they get them to do it if you give it away for free it's like the milk why give away buy by the cow if you can get the milk for free that's probably like that you know like if they don't do it then yeah they decided like right now we're gonna pop that sucker off i know i don't know that's the only thing i can think of i don't know why else they would do it yeah there's no other reason unless it just fell off maybe they had you know their uh, ra- uh, chase and it fell off i don't know maybe. it could be the red cars like goes in and out and he's lee's getting out and saying hey let me drive so then he gets he's out of the car which is this is they do this you know obviously systematically because they have this is how she can then drive off really fast she goes i don't like that very much she goes what and she goes that car and then you hear edmund uh you know saying hey wait we want to talk to you and and amanda just takes off like a bat out of hell and then rushes over there and parks in front of the um the red car and then she she just goes at it she's got that that purse over her head and she is just wailing on him that can hurt purses have heavy things in them yeah hopefully that doorknob from season one is still in there yeah right. <laughs> he might bite her too uh so he jumps in the car and they take off and amanda's just walloping him so you had your amanda antics this is my amanda antics I believe this is the last I have of the season for this. And uh, with her just walloping him, this is part Amanda just being Amanda. And this is also Amanda being a mom and having that mother bear instinct on a, on a kid, whether he's you know older than her kids or younger than her kids. She is just going to town on him with that person beating the hell out of him. And it's hilarious. Uh, I think it's funny. So that's that's my nomination. I believe my last one uh, for uh, Amanda Antics for our finest awards for MKC finest awards. So I will definitely be, appropriate. Put that one in there. Yeah. So then King Eddie takes off. He's trying to put his glasses back on, and Amanda's uh, trying to uh, to to comfort the poor kid, making sure he's okay. <laughs> and Lee almost gets run over by them coming. <laughs> taken off uh behind him yeah so he seems to be uh, like delivering like um like flyers or something it's not a newspaper it's just like flyers she goes are you going to be all right and he goes yeah the front wheel isn't i blew a tire he goes you really swink a mean purse lady and she goes well i'm a mother <laughs> we do those things mm-hmm. like that and so they he goes on their way so i don't know why they didn't talk to him at that point maybe they figured he's a kid and they want to talk to his mom which they I think yeah. legally need to. I don't know back then, maybe they didn't have to, but I know now they have to because he's only 16 right. at this point. In the script, though, he does mention to her that she has a swing like Reggie Jackson, which is kind gotcha. of funny. You know who that is, right? A baseball player? Yep. Not yep. Nope. Yep. Okay. Yeah, you got it. He's a baseball player, a very famous one. But I don't think he goes like this. <laughs> I, I know, right? 
<laughs> well, maybe for warm up he does. So then they let him go on his way. And then script Amanda says, well, maybe it's best if we talk to his mother first. And he goes, I think you're right. I feel better now. I'll drive. So this is all because he hit, hit his head. That's uh, her got hit in the head. That's why she was driving, which is I guess I'm the excuse. I'm so surprised. Like, you know, they, they, I would think that they want to make sure he gets home, like follow behind his bike. Yeah. And then immediately talk to the mother to like talk about the situation. Yeah, it, it is. That's what I'm wondering. It's very uh, like discombobulated for some reason. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what happened. And she tells him to be careful. And then she goes over uh, to talk to Lee and and he he's on trying to, to dial on his car phone and he goes do you know who that was who's that and he goes the king of cap defar she goes what and he goes uh and goes and gets um connected to to billy and she goes that guy was a king he goes yeah she goes what is where's cap defar he goes cap defar is practically a non-existent country now he comes here to play at a dc jazz festival every year and to charm the u.s out of a little foreign aid she goes what was he doing with that kid he goes no he was no ordinary kid he was a kid with whose name was in the pocket of a dead man. <laughs> and then <laughs> then we're, we're back at the agency and poor Francine is uh, looking a little worse for wear. <laughs> She's got like confetti all over her. It's like, it's like it rained down on her. Her netting, her netting from her, her hat is gone. It's been yeah. ripped off. <laughs> Aww. Poor thing. It's like she's been a little it bit. really she's does. Yeah. <laughs> oh, poor thing. And she just looks like she's just staring off in the distance, you know. Oh, she doesn't stare. Yeah, blank stare on her. And so in the script, when Terry leaves uh, on the bike and Lee's on the phone waiting to talk to Billy on the phone, Amanda says, I know I overreacted, Lee, and you have every right to be mad at me for clobbering that man. But I could have sworn that they were. And she stops when she realizes that Lee's not heard a word she said. And she goes, what's wrong? And then that's when he says, that man you clobbered with your purse was Edmund Spencer, the king of Captafar. And then he says, Scarecrow from Melrose. And I'll wait. And she goes, you're joking. Who's he? And then he goes, the monarch of an almost non-existent country. He comes to the States every couple of years to play at the DC Jazz Festival and charm the country out of a little foreign aid. And then then they go on to, you know, why was he trying to talk with that kid? Um, Francine has definitely uh, gone a few rounds with Edmund Spencer and his his uh, gang of, of, of uh, partiers. And Lee's letting him know that Edmund Spencer is, is involved with Terry Wall. And so they're trying to figure it out. And Francine obviously is not done well with him. So Lee's like suggesting, he goes, you know, maybe it's time for uh, Billy Blue Note to uh, dust off his sacks. <laughs> Mm-hmm. and uh because he's thinking that he can he's probably the only one who can get close to him and figure out what's going on he goes i now there is one person i knew who could get close to him he goes no no don't even suggest it he goes billy when you were assigned to him he never knew your connection with the agency you could use the same cover he's like ah <laughs> he's just all grumpy he goes all right i guess i can dust off the old axe the saxophone and so francine's like if there's a connection between the dead man and the king then it's a whole new ball game. He goes, I'll handle it. Why don't you go home and clean yourself up? She goes, yeah, I'll do that. And I'll have you know, I'm putting in for hazard pay on this one. He goes, well, Francine, I'm sorry. I didn't warn you about the king's style. She goes, lifestyle. She goes, style? Oh, no, this had nothing to do with style. She goes, next time I meet royalty, I'll know what to wear. A Hawaiian shirt and a Boda bag. <laughs> he goes, you think you have problems? Just be glad you don't play saxophone. <laughs> And I love it. He, he like dusts off the confetti that's on his desk. <laughs> he 
He's not happy. I don't know why he's he's, he's good at it. Why is he so reluctant to reprise this role? I don't like, know. It doesn't really make sense. He's usually one to like if he needs to jump back in on a mission. Like, yeah, get get out from behind it. the desk. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and they were pretty friendly, so I guess maybe he feels bad for duping him, but he shouldn't. It's not like he did anything bad. You know, yeah, just, that's he true. Wasn't fully honest with him. Does he play the sax? Yes. Is his name Billy? Sure. That's, that's all we needed to know at the time. <laughs> Maybe he really doesn't like the play. Yeah. I have to say, I, I dusted off my axe uh, a few years ago because my children... Uh, smart asses that they are didn't think that their mom knew how to play the saxophone like she said she did so I had to pull it out I had to go to the music store to get new reeds because mine are like <laughs> mine were like you know ancient from from when I played all, in junior all high all to prove that I couldn't <laughs> and the 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 guy the sales guy goes well which what kind do you need I'm like I, I, I don't know I need reeds I don't know I go I haven't played in 30 20 20 years you know it was probably like 25 years I'm like, I haven't played in forever. I don't know. Just give me some reads. So he gave them to me. Right. Oh, my God. My lip was so swollen for a couple days because, you know, if you haven't played in the long time, it, it really does. Man, my lip, like the the little part at the top there, it was like raw and swollen. <laughs> so maybe that's why he, he was reluctant to do it. He knew it was yeah. it had been a while and it would hurt because, damn it, right. it hurt. But I did I did prove to them that I can play. I played some just out of uh, memory being able to, to play them. Nice. Yeah, it was pretty good. But it does, uh, your lungs aren't used to it. So it, t- it, t- it took a while to get used to. But the lip, that didn't, that didn't uh, soften at all. <laughs> so maybe that's why. I don't know. Or maybe it's just uh, written in the script and that's why I did it. <laughs> so I didn't get this until I was looking at the, the name of the club that they're going to. I was like, just Sands, you know, Jazz Hands. I was yes, like, jazz yes, hands! Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what it was. I, I didn't pick up on it, or at least I forgot about it and then remembered. I don't know. It's kind of clever. It's a cute building, though. I like the, the stonework on it. So, yeah, creative food and beverages, and apparently uh, jazz music as well. Do you guys like jazz music? Hate it. Not really. <laughs> I do not like it either, and I used to play the sax, but I never... I never liked it either. I can't, I can't get into it. I have a friend who likes it. I just, I don't care for it. Yep. I like classical. I love classical. I like R&B. I like hip hop. Somehow the jazz swankiness, I just didn't yeah. love it. There's certain songs when it has music, like when it has a lyricist on it, I like it. But okay. um, it, it, I, I can, you know, appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah. But when it's just like horns and drums and not my thing. Definitely not, not my thing. Either. Yeah. I, I don't like country and I don't like that. Southern, mm-hmm. like you go to New Orleans, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it depends on maybe what you were around when you were a kid, but I definitely yeah. was not. Or whatever, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't grow up with it for sure at all. They definitely are into it. So mm-hmm. we are inside the, the jazz hands place now. And so now we're learning from... Edmund that he is trying to talk to Terry because Terry is his son and he doesn't know that that's his dad uh, and he has waited all this time to talk to him and I waited too long I end up scaring him half to death getting mugged by some crazy broad <laughs> and he's like maybe it's some bad karma <laughs> and then Crowley's telling him that he should rest and and he should pass on the rehearsal so now we know that something else is going on uh, he's sick 
Um, that's probably why he's coming now to, to finally see his son. He goes, don't you worry about me, Crowley. He goes, you worry about getting the ladies for our party. So this guy's just just a, a playboy, always playing and, and having a good old time. And Crowley is just rolling his eyes like you need to, to relax, to, to rest. And, and uh, he's not doing any of that. So now we know that Terry is the king's son and that he's got some type of illness. He's got an interesting accent, doesn't he? Edmund. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's it's very different. (laughs) And he doesn't talk like that. He's from really from Brooklyn. So it's kind of funny. Mm -hmm. Now Crowley goes to leave and there's Soryakov. So Crowley comes out, he's leaving and bumps into Soryakov. And he's like, what are you doing here? He's like, hey, our engineers at the Institute of Metallurgy finished analyzing those core samples from Cap Defar. And he goes, good stuff, huh? He goes, yes, Mr. Crowley, good stuff. Better than anyone would have could have imagined, in fact. He goes, a bo- bonus might be in order. He goes, don't start with me. We're not bartering cuddlebone curios here. We have a deal. And he goes, things change. Crowley's getting a little cocky. He goes, Mr. Crowley, you are a very insignificant part of this operation. If you become a problem, we may suddenly run out of patience and generosity. Ouch. And he goes, understood. And Crowley just goes, like I'm not saying yes I'm not saying no so we're learning a lot of things the reason they want to get rid of Edmund is because there is some type of minerals that they want to get which is and so they feel like they have to kill him off to do it but now we're learning that Edmund is sick so sick that they're just gonna let they can let uh the the illness kill him whatever it is is going to kill him so they're not worried about it but now they know now they're on to the fact that his son would be heir to his throne and so now they want to get rid of him as well real real sweet guys here yeah prince princess for sure a lot of them so i thought maybe they were poisoning him but um he was just poisoning himself right yeah (laughs) Taking too many vitamins? Yes. Uh, yes. Vitamin A. Spoiler alert. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yep. It mimics the signs of a tumor, of a brain tumor. Gotta be careful with those vitamins. I know. You can you can overdose on them. Like too much potassium and that sort of thing will do yeah. stuff to you too. It's, yeah. You think you're doing something good like, hey, I'm eating a lot of fruit. And it's like, um, that's so good. <laughs> so Crowley's on thin ice with Soryakov. <laughs> And Amanda now, her her car is still uh, not doing so well. She's put a lot of money into that car, by the way. Really <laughs> Just has. in the season. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Some of it's not her fault. But. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A lot of it isn't. Right. Yeah, all she should do is like when there's something wrong with her car, like have an accident at work and have the agency have to replace yeah, it, right. you know? <laughs> She's she not like that. Of course. Like yeah, right. Yeah. So Amanda pulls up in a cab because her car's still unavailable for her. And she's uh, there to talk to Mrs. Wall. And okay, you guys, I want to see if you guys picked up on something. Do you guys recognize okay. Sandra Wall's outfit by chance? Specifically uh, the uh, overalls? Overalls. Those are the guest jeans oh, overalls I mentioned. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> From the eyes have it. Dottie wore those same exact overalls. Really? Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. We talked about yeah. it. Yeah. I mentioned it because I recognize wow. them. I'm like, wait a minute. Those are the same overalls. <laughs> so they just were probably wow. like, these will fit you. You can wear these. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that funny? Those were big. That stuff. Oh, yeah. 
They're super cute. She's obviously doing some yard work and Amanda comes up and, and she's like, Mrs. Wall. And she's, she, um, she says, yes, can I help you? And she says, I don't mean to stare, but you look so familiar. So it's kind of funny that, you know, they're saying she's from a soap opera because she literally was on the soap opera that Kate started her career on, on Dark Shadows. Yeah. (laughs) Now she's, they're saying it was from different soap opera, obviously. I just don't automatically think of Dark Shadows as a soap opera, but I guess it is called. No, it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. She says, Oh, Veronica Armstrong from the soap opera years ago. They don't mention, oh, they do. 12 years ago, Hospital Romance. That's what it was called, Hospital Romance. (laughs) But it is kind of funny because she was on uh, several episodes of Dark Shadows and so was Kate. So I thought it was kind of cute. I wonder if, because this, I don't know if they did it on purpose or not, but it's kind of cute if they did. Or if they didn't, it's still cute. So Amanda recognizes her and then they kind of do like a little bit of a, oh, she says that laugh. Now I know who you are. Veronica Armstrong from the soap opera years ago. She said 12 years ago, hospital romance. You've got a good memory. You still watch. And she says, not anymore, but my mother never misses. She won't believe it. Nurse Veronica right here in Arlington. So she says, I have to admit, it's fun to be recognized after all these years. She goes, you were wonderful. Whatever happened with Dr. Berkowitz, the psychiatrist who was always proposing to you? (laughs) That's what it was says in the script. She goes, he died right after I left the show. It was either the x-ray machine falling on him or gout that did him in. She goes, oh, no, the x-ray machine. And it wasn't no accident. I wouldn't be surprised that that guy ended up not dead, you know, like yeah. had a miraculous like brain transplant or something. <laughs> you and have watched them, Lexi. Oh, yes, definitely. General Hospital was my Oh, that was yours. Lane, Lane watched that too as a kid. Mm-hmm. Lane watched it as a kid. I didn't watch that one. Yeah. I, my, I, I've said it before. Guiding Light and All My Children was, was the one I watched. And you were, what were you one, Jen? You watched one. I watched Santa Barbara. Oh, okay. Which I think was a little shorter lived than. Yeah, that was a later one. That one came out a lot later. I remember Getting Light was on in the 50s. Like on the radio they started, I think. Yeah. So Amanda introduces herself as Amanda Keene. And she says, oh, you're the lady with the purse. (laughs) So she thanked her for, you know, helping her son. And then so Amanda goes in and, and, and tries to talk to him. Some things that we don't, that aren't filmed. There's a few things that aren't filmed in here. Um, but as they're walking in, Terry is leaving uh, to go do more of his deliveries of those flyers. And so he takes off down the street. Then we're going back to the jazz club and Billy walks in with his, his saxophone and Edmund then sees him and he remembers him. Obviously they were friends. I do like, I do like Billy's uh, velour jacket. It's, yes. it's pretty, uh, it's pretty sexy, snazzy. Yeah. yeah. Jazzy, jazzy Billy. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Blue Note. It should have been in blue, though. That would have been even better. Yeah. He does look good that color. Mm-hmm. He does. It does look good on him. He just seems, he just seems like he's in his element, you know? Yeah. He's yeah. got his, his uh, rack to hold his sax there on the floor. He's got a saxophone on there. But there's something on here so he just walks in and then starts playing you have to like have that reed in your mouth for a while and get it like really moist otherwise it won't play like he couldn't just go and dry like that and play just for the record (laughs) uh edmund's like hey you know a lot of things are going down right now i'm so glad you're here i could really use you know a sounding board to talk to you and it's nice and this is exactly why 
they needed Billy to go in because they need somebody who's going to be able to pull this information from him. He doesn't even have to say five words and the guy's already like, oh, I got to I got to fill you in, dude. So right. it's exactly what they needed him to do. So I guess now is a good point um, to mention. So for um, our MKC's finest awards, I am nominating Billy in this episode uh, as a sensational sidekick. I think it's really cool how they were leveraging Mel Stewart's actual ability and talent to play the saxophone and incorporated it into this role, whether it was by design or just a happy circumstance. Um, I think that that's really cool. And I also like that um, after so much time has passed um, that he and King Edmund were just able to pick up their relationship right where they left off. And um, ultimately it ends up not not spoiler alert, but it ends up working out for everyone in the end. So anyway, he's he's my last nomination for season three, sensational sidekick. Very nice. That's a good one. Uh, it's like you know you hear him and you're like, why didn't I pick that one? You know, like there's yeah. so many good. There's so many, yeah. but that's why we only got to pick right. two each because there's yeah. just too many to pick from. Yeah, so true. No, he's he he's totally in his element in this one. And that's a great pick yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. So. Billy tells him, he's like, come on, we'll be the amigos, you know, and he's like, hey, remember, it's been a long time. <laughs> he goes, it's always like yesterday. So they're, they're, they're going to play their favorite in G. So they have a favorite song, apparently, the two of them. <laughs> and see how he just goes right to it? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, so cute. After, like, yeah, years, yeah. It almost makes me want to take mine out. And then I remember, oh, that sore lip I had. Never mind. I'm good. It can just continue getting dust on the case. <laughs> that thing, I mean, I was uh, in fifth grade when I started playing it. So what is that? Like 11? Yeah, 11. And so that's 36 years ago. Yeah, 36 years ago, I got that damn thing. And I still have it. Uh, so now uh, Lee uh, is... And I'm pretty sure that's a different jacket now he's on. He's on his second jacket for the for the episode. Yeah, that's a different, gray. that one's not yeah. gray. The other one was gray. Uh, so he is, he's snuck into the Captafar uh, apartment, the embassy. We'll call it a embassy to be nice. He's, he found a dirty, dirty magazine he seems to enjoy. And, uh, and oh, then he, on the desk. those are what? Metal bones on the desk. Are there? Yeah, that's so hilarious oh that's too funny like, oh my gosh i'm like what they actually got cuddle bones in this scene <laughs> that's great so he starts looking around he's trying to he's going through the desk and stuff he finds the nudie magazine then he goes over to the 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 safe that's very obvious it's there uh, so you wouldn't think it would have anything great in it, but it does have uh, Bart Williams blows his horn record. <laughs> so apparently that's very important and that's why it's in the safe. <laughs> it kind of is very telling of, of Eddie. Um, and uh, so Lee goes in, continues into the, to the kitchen area and goes into the uh, refrigerator and pulls out a, a lettuce, a head of lettuce, but it's really a safe. <laughs> and he goes, uh-huh, the world-famous lettuce vault. <laughs> he goes, no price too high for security. And then he pulls out uh, a piece of paper, and it's got a bunch of uh, different information. That, why would he, the guy, put it in there? Like, wouldn't he keep it with him? Like, 
it's not like you need to and it says made it says made for crowley i mean so it's obvious that uh you know he he's involved with it mm-hmm. so it's a um mining report and it's showing iron is 83.2 percent manganese is 16.8 Tantalum is 78.1, which is, that's a huge amount. I do appreciate them using an actual metal to talk mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Is- and, and is it hard to, is it a, is it hard to find? I, you know, and I don't know too much about that, but it is used for a lot of like high heat and. Oh, okay. You know, electronic type of like refractory type of uh, material. So it is probably in demand for sure. And then what's NB? Yeah, I'm not too sure about NB. Yeah, it doesn't say what it is, and I don't know what that is. Hmm. I don't remember NB. I'm a scientist. Niobium. Niobium. Oh, okay. I've never heard of that one. And tantalum, to answer your question, is it rare? Google says it is rare, and it's worth, as of 2019, 162 U.S. dollars per kilogram. Damn. Nice. So that would be... uh, quite uh important to find it's named after tantalus a villain from greek mythology mm-hmm. seems fitting <laughs> the rare hard blue gray lustrous transition metal huh yeah and resistant yeah okay interesting yeah i didn't look much about that till this episode but i'm glad they used a real thing yeah exactly instead of, instead of making up even <laughs> though captafar isn't real <laughs> Yeah, right. So uh, Lee doesn't seem to have his little spy camera on him, so he has to write everything down. And then uh, he he sneaks out. Doesn't do a great job of sneaking out because Crowley finds him, just walks right up and sees him right there anyway, so he knows uh, that he snuck in. And then doesn't even lock the door. The door is just left open. Like, why don't you leave a calling card too there, Lee? Right. One nice thing is I thought was cute. Uh, we actually get to see Marvelous Marvins again. They use uh, yeah. Marvelous Marvins because in the script, they don't, they just have it be a nondescript burger place, but they actually mm-hmm. uh, dress this one up uh, for Marvelous Marvins. So good to know that Marvelous Marvins survived the scandal that happened right. uh, a few months right. before, which is great. And so we see Amanda and Sandra pull up uh, in front of it. And Sandra's explaining that this is uh, where he always goes after working. And uh, she's, Amanda's already told her that Terry's name was found on a, a, the body of a dead man. And she's like, why would that be? You know, how would this happen? She goes, well, that's what we're trying to find out. And then she's like, so you're sure he's going to be here? She goes, yeah, well, after he finishes the deliveries, he usually comes here for a milkshake. And so she wants to know who who those men were that tried to stop him. And she goes, well, you won't believe this, but it was a king of a little country called Cap Defar. And the look on her face, she's like, (laughs) she goes, uh, oh, my God, Edmund Spencer. And she goes, you know what, King Edmund? And she's like, uh. No, I might. (laughs) (laughs) She was married to him. She was married to him. Um, I effed him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so not long after that, then Terry shows up on his bike and, uh, which you have to wonder. So I guess that guy was following him, right? Cause I'll, yeah. how else would he find him? So the guy, uh, Sorokoff in, in his van and creepy, you know, free candy van <laughs> pulls up. Yeah. Uh, you always notice they remember public service announcement, ladies. I think we've said this one once before, stay away from the vans. <laughs> Yeah. Bad news. Yeah. I think it was from okay. Brunettes are in. Bad news. Bad news. 
yeah. especially the ones with the sliding doors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he pulls up. His plan is to, to kidnap Terry. And so not only is he getting a milkshake, he's getting a double dog and chili fries. So he's not going to be hungry. <laughs> Typical teenager. Right. So Sandra still hasn't explained who Edmund Spencer is to her. And so they see Terry and so they're going to go talk to him. But then Sorokov comes up and he takes a knife and says, don't say a word, just come with me. And so Amanda and Sandra see it and she's like, get in the car, go to the back of the stand and then, which is great. This is Amanda. I mean, like she wouldn't have thought these things, you know, three years ago. And she's just like, doesn't even hesitate. She just goes right in do it. Yep. It's great. She's coming into her own, which it's, it's been three years. She probably should, but. <laughs> yeah. This whole season's kind of been about that for sure. Yeah. Starting with Welcome to America, Mr. Rand, of course, but. Oh, no, you know, definitely... we should make bets on how, how you're going to somehow how get that title, that, that name in there somehow. <laughs> That's so just, funny. Just going back. I love just it. Back. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you haven't brought up. You haven't brought up Dirk in a while, so that's good. <laughs> I know, I know, because it's number one, the real guy passed away. He that's did. so sad. That and is. there's no chance of him coming back. No, no, you're right. It hurts too much to bring I him know, up. I know, I'm sorry you brought him up. <laughs> <laughs> so Amanda comes running up and she's just like, doesn't hesitate. She's like, I think you got my order. And he's like, give her the order. He goes, I'd rather give it to you and then uses that as his opportunity to uh, get rid of this guy. And so he, yep. he uh, ends up pouring his chocolate shake, his chocolate blocko shake all over him, <laughs> which I love. So then Amanda helps him. And then they, uh, Sandra pulls up just in time and they all get in the car and take off, which is great. I mean, she just got rid of a really bad guy, really big, yep. bad, bad, bad guy. And then they take off. Sandra did some nice driving too, by the way, got to give her props on sure. that. She almost hit that pole coming I, around. She almost hit a car. Car almost hit her too, yeah. coming out. And so now here's this is a little different. Um, different now. So then we we cut to the agency and Lee's talking to Amanda on the phone and he said no one followed you. She said no. He goes good work, Amanda. And then he tells her no, no, don't take him home. Take him directly to my apartment. The key is under the potted palm. So uh, he'll get back there as soon as as soon as he can. And, uh, and he's like, and calm down. And so Francine's like, uh, what's going on? And he goes, that was Amanda. Uh, some guy just tried to nab Terry Wall. And Francine's like, oh, and Amanda scared them off. And he goes, well, the guy ended up on the wrong end of a chocolate blocko shake. She's like, what? Then we see TP, which we haven't seen him in a while, but uh, TP Aquinas is there. And this is, the, I think, the only time I remember seeing him at the agency where he's actually mm-hmm. at the agency. Otherwise, he's at the Library of Congress or the Tutti Frutti ice cream stand or, you know, somewhere else on the street. He's usually not in the agency. So, uh, but he does have yeah. a guest pass. So he doesn't actually work at the agency. He obviously works at the Library of Congress. Later on, we'll learn that he was an instructor at one point at the agency. So then we hear TP say, Lee, if it doesn't work out for you in the agency, <laughs> I would suggest pharmacology. Your handwriting is delightfully hieroglyphic. He goes, well, I didn't have time to cross my T's and dot my I's, TP. He goes, do you know what that is? And he's like, well, depending on how one interprets your writing, it could be the formula for denture adhesive, synthetic marshmallow (laughs) topping, or tantalum. (laughs) I think we can go with tantalum. 
And she goes, the strategic metal? He goes, the most corrosive resistant metal known to man. It's very essential for nuclear reactors, jets, missiles. It's very important stuff. He goes, damn hard to find, too. He goes, right again. Only three countries in the world have limited reserves. Well, apparently now there's four. (laughs) He goes, a week ago, an unconfirmed report came down the pipe about Russians discovering a new source of tantalum and a lot of it. He goes, oh, well, then this teeny weeny cap defar is absolutely loaded. And and he said, King Edmund's sitting right on top of it. Now we skip to the embassy apartment and they're having a party. But what actually happened in the script was that when Lee was at the, and so some of these scenes are like in opposite order, but when Lee was at the embassy sneaking in and snooping around, he, he heard the phone ring and he hears Crowley's voice on the, on the machine saying, you know, leave a message. And then you hear King Edmund, a voiceover of King Edmund say, my loyal Crowley, your highness here, drop a dime on the Lockwood Neuro- Neurological Institute and arrange for my appointment to be postponed until tomorrow. An old bud and I are going to hit the clubs, down some cocktails and catch up on times past. And then you hear uh, Billy protesting in the back, your highness, I'm not sure that's such a good idea. And then Edmund says, nonsense, BBN. And Crowley, get back to me with anything you have on that industrial blender I asked for. And then the machine kicks off and Lee makes his way to the door. So Lee, that's how Lee finds out about the Neurological Institute. And that's how they get that lead. And then we don't even have this party scene yet until a little bit later. This creepy party scene? Yeah, right? It is creepy. Well, no and, and I know he's got shorts on, like very little shorts on though. Yeah, and very hairy so legs, <laughs> very hairy legs. And her shorts, her little butt cheeks are coming out of that, those shorts yeah. too. And freaking those bullhorns too. It's like, come on, like how yep. TV can you get? I know. Well, in the script, he says, he says something about, sorry, one thing I forgot. At the Marvelous Marvins thing. They actually, Sandra and Amanda approach Terry and talk to him first before Soryakov gets him. So Sandra and Amanda, as they approach, Terry waves to his mother as she gets out of the car. Terry says, I know, mom, no junk food, but sometimes a guy needs a break from alfalfa sprouts. And Sandra says, nervous, that's fine, honey. Amanda just needs you to look at a picture. And Amanda says, hi, remember me? And then he goes, sure, you're the lady who swings like Reggie Jackson. And then uh, Terry says, just give me a minute. As Terry crosses to the pickup window, Amanda turns to Sandra. Sandra, you're going to have to tell me what you know about King Edmund. And she says, did I say I know the man? And Amanda says, up until now, everything could have been a coincidence. But if you know him, and then that's when Soryakov comes and then takes Terry, Amanda and Sandra, then go go find him and, and deal with the chocolate block of shake and all that. That stuff happens. Then... This uh, happens with the the bull thing, but in the in the script, Edmund says, "Sorry, BBN. The chick was playing the Battle of the Coral Sea. I was the U.S. Enterprise, <laughs> but instead we get uh, the running of the bulls, and I was the bull, uh, which is in the in the film version. And gotcha. and she's wearing red too, so I guess that's fitting, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and then that girl comes and just plops down <laughs> on Billy." <laughs> and he's just kind of like i uh, like he just gives off the vibes of i'm married i can't look at you i can't touch you 
Not interested. Not interested. Cleaning nails. My wife wants my jacket. Yeah. Totally. That's a good one too. And then that champagne goes everywhere. And then she gets up and he, then he comes over and then he has his head issue. He's having like a spasm or something in his head and uh, from his quote tumor end quote, (laughs) but it's really just the, the overdose of uh, vitamin A. He tells Billy to take him to Lockwood Neurological Center. So that's how Billy knows to take him there. And obviously, he's somebody who's uh, a patient there. Now, in the script, it also mentioned about Sandra later on says something about, are you still seeing that um, doctor? Like he's a bad doctor, like he misdiagnoses things and stuff like that. So they kind of left that part out of this. Because if it's a neurological center, they wouldn't have some hack doctor there. You know, that seems kind of weird. Yeah. And then the scene, uh, now they're at the hospital and Lee and Billy are talking. The doctors won't tell him what's going on. They said it's confidential. And he goes, I didn't want to get official with them, but this is a neurological facility. This is where he wanted to come. And then Lee fills him in and says, hey, did he discuss anything about tantalum and discovering it? And he said, no. He goes, that's strange. They're trying to piece it all together. They found the name. They found the the dead man. Then the kid's name is on there. He's trying to make contact with the same boy. He goes, now you tell me the kid almost got snatched. He goes, how does this all tie together? And he goes, and what about the tentalum? So Billy says he's going to stay there until the, the king regains consciousness. And so as they're getting ready to leave, Crowley comes in and says, this is the third time we've run into each other. I'm beginning to doubt it's a coincidence. And then Billy comes clean and says... We're with the agency. And he asks him, why Why is Edmund so interested in the paperboy? And he goes, I don't have to tell you. I have diplomatic privileges. He goes, your friend broke into our, our embassy and I'm going to file a complaint too. He goes, I'll wrap that around your neck and give them a twist <laughs> with his gritted teeth. He goes, now what's your connection to Terry Wall? He goes, ask the king and then pushes right past him. He goes, let him go, Lee. So this supposedly all happened as they're walking out into the parking lot. And obviously this happens in the film version. It happens just in the halls of the hospital. So Billy says he'll figure it out. Now they're at Lee's apartment and Amanda, Sandra and Lee are getting, uh, are talking in his, uh, his bedroom and Terry's out in the, in the family, like in the living room area. So she's explaining that she was married to King Edmund and, uh, that she hasn't let him see Terry because she's always been afraid that he'll take him and take him back to Captain Far and she'll never see him again. So, well, she's a little cavalier about it and that she's talking pretty loud in the bedroom about it. Mm-hmm. Um, she'd be either more discreet or would have had the conversation with him earlier. Yeah, at 16? Yeah, what was going on. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But like, I'm sure it came up at some point. It's like, who's my dad? So he's a partier and he's supposedly this really nice guy, right? But he waits until he's 16 and he hasn't even seen him, like to the point where the kid doesn't even know he even exists, you know? Seems kind of odd. Well, I mean, the only reason he's reaching out now is because he thinks he's dying. Yeah. You know, I don't think he would have otherwise. He probably would have waited until he was 18 or 21 so that he could party with them. Right. Right. Yeah. So I don't think he's all that wonderful, you know, and without flaws. For sure. No, for not. sure. He's a very flawed person. He's, yeah. He's, he may not have a huge country, 
but he has a very large kingly ego. Yes. Like way, like he he is a royal who throws down and just right. has it once have a good time. Right. And I'm not not saying that uh, Sandra's not letting him see him isn't flawed either, because I don't think that's right, right either. And I don't think yeah. it's right that she didn't tell him about her his father. Um, yeah. You know, that's not good either by any means. Um, so, you know, there's issues on all sides yeah. there for sure. But it's just kind of messed up at 16. You don't know, you know. Yeah. Privately. Yeah. yeah. I don't necessarily want to defend him, but yeah. maybe he was doing it out of respect for the mom. Like, if the mom wanted this way, he was going right. to stay up It's po- possible, too. Him, technically, you know, like, he uh, wasn't a target of people until they found out that he actually had a son. You know, like, he wasn't in danger True. at all. We probably figured, I mean, how many assassination threats would, would someone from uh, Captifar have? Probably very little until the tantalum discovery, but right. at the same time, it's like, you know, he could rationalize it because it's easier to just have fun and party than be responsible for the development of a, a Bingo. human. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. It's easier. Yep. And and it's a convenient excuse. Oh, yes. And they love to do that. They lo- I'm getting into my own personal. They love to do that. Oh, she keeps me away from him. Oh, like I would, I would totally be involved, but... My ex-wife, she's just a bitch. You know, like, they do that all the time, and it's so not true. And until now, the king hasn't ever contacted them. They're they're questioning, and she's like, she goes, oh, sure. You know, he used to phone every week begging to see him, and as hard as it was, I always said no. I guess I was afraid he'd take Terry back to Captafar. When everything else fell apart, my son was all I had. I just couldn't take the chance. And then, you know, I met Edmund in Monte Carlo one glorious summer, when I was young and ready for something and Eddie was something uh, sort of felt like a B movie version of Prince Rainier and Grace Kelly's story. Now in the script, it says that it's more out of a hospital romance, the, the um, supposed soap opera she was in. And then she said, Terry was on the way before I set foot on Cap Defar, 500 square miles of sand lizards and gold guana that, and a steady diet of miles Davis sort of took the shine off the apple. And he goes, he may be in very, Liz tells her that he might be in grave danger because of the metal they found. And uh, they need it for missiles and jet engines. And so does the Soviets. Whoever controls Captafar can name their price. And he says, and Terry's the throne, uh, heir to the throne. Amanda seems to be eating up the story. And then Lee's watching her enjoy the story too. It's really cute. He goes, listen, Sandra, Terry may be in grave danger. A metal called tantalum has been discovered on Cap Defar. We need it for missiles and jet engines. And so do the Soviets. Whoever controls Cap Defar can name his own price. What has Terry got to do with this? She says, and he goes, everything. Terry is the heir to the throne. She goes, no one has to know that. She goes, I'm afraid they already do. Now, remember the dead man had Terry's name in his pocket and they just tried to grab him at the hamburger stand. She goes, he's a boy for God's sake. And he goes, and a prince whose father is a king who has left has a seat at the UN and an embassy in DC. Now Edmund wants Terry to wear that crone after he's gone. That would be mind blowing when as a kid here overhearing this, like what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a prince. So that's why he tried to contact him without you interfering. And then she hears the door and she's like, Terry. So Terry's taken off. He's on a, he wants to go find his father. So he's heard enough where he can, uh, then go find him, I guess. What is it? Google it? I mean, he found it pretty damn quick, right? 
Well, sure did. I guess he knows all the neighborhoods because of his little paper route or whatever the hell he's doing. Yeah, I guess maybe. I guess so. But I doubt it's in Arlington. You know, all the embassies everything's are. In Arlington. Everything's down in. Everything's down in. Everything's down in one main street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whole town here. Oh, man. <laughs> I love how they she goes to the elevator and then they come up and all we see is their back and then they we see them look at each other like oh crap now what and then then it kind of cuts cuts to that cuts to the commercial so now we see now we're back at the embassy and now we're seeing Edmund and he's doubling up on his vitamin A and this is what's causing the tumor like symptoms and uh, he offers some to Billy and Billy's like no thanks. And so now he's kind of going, oh, you, you fooled me, Billy Blue Notes. <laughs> he goes, nothing personal, your majesty. And uh, he goes, about the tantalum. He goes, you really didn't know that it was discovered in your country? He goes, no. He goes, rocks are rocks, man. He goes, hey, look, must be the engineers I hired from Colorado to look for water. Who found Who goes? Who goes? found it? He goes, you didn't get with the engineering's company? He goes, uh, no. Everything from the States passes through the embassy first. And so he goes, the only one that knew about it is the embassy uh, is Crowley. And he says, I'm, I'm having uh, the agency do a head-to-toe on him. He goes, I thought I was leaving my son a heritage, and he ends up in danger. This is not the way to become father of the year. He's got a long way to go before he'd ever think to give you that title. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? In their head, that's the thing. In their head, they have this story that they're going to come and they're going to save the world, you know, save the day, and they're going to have their undying love of their child that they haven't seen yeah. ever. You know what I mean? And they just have to step in and it's going to be seamless. Yeah, and yes. And because they're here yeah. now, that's what's important. It's like, no, 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 mm-hmm. no. There's a lot of baggage right. you've you've caused, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he turns on some music. Billy now leaves. And just as he's leaving, uh, Terry Wall pulls up uh, in a cab and gets out and comes into the, to the embassy. And, uh, you know, he has some questions, some serious questions he wants to ask, um, which I don't blame him. It's good for him. <laughs> and unfortunately, yep. uh, Crowley and Sorokov are now uh, right outside the agent, uh, right outside the embassy as well. And he's like, "Drop back!" And he goes, "Oh, we've been dealt a better hand." As they see uh, Terry pull up, which is not good. Kind of everything kind of comes together now. Terry comes in and talks to Edmund and asks him, you know, some burning questions that he he really wants answered. So Terry says something like, "Oh, I thought you'd have you know dark curly hair." And he goes, "Well, I used to." Which he kind of did on Charlie's Angels. He had a little bit. He was really cute. Him and Kate were really cute together on Charlie's Angels uh, as ex-spouses. Oh, yeah? it it's always funny because uh, I don't know if it's a Kate thing or what, but uh, her and her ex-husband um, divorced. They still loved each other, but they got divorced because they just, with their careers and stuff, they just couldn't make it work. But they still like kind of dated a little bit as well. Oh. Um, so it's always like like that. It's She never has a bad relationship that she leaves, you know? Like yeah. with Joe and her, they still loved each other, but they just couldn't make it work. And then, you know, yeah. it's just kind of funny. I'm sure it's coincidental, yeah. but it just, I wonder if it's a Kate, you know, thing or not. Mm-hmm. So Terry's like, Hey, I thought you'd be bigger with dark curly hair. And he's like, I used to, the kids are cute. The kid's cute. Yeah. He, he, it's pretty good casting. Cause he does a, a little bit look like the mom and like a little yeah. bit with the, yeah, the you're right. You're right. So Edmund's like, this isn't how I wanted this to go down. He goes, of course not. We were going to toss a football around, maybe catch a movie and get some pizza, right? <laughs> Spot on. He goes, spend uh, an hour catching up on a lifetime. He goes, all right, you take your best shot, son. Yes, I've earned it. He goes, forget it. And he goes, no, no, you stay. 
look, don't go away. We've got to start somewhere. And then he says, okay, start by telling me how you come. I never heard about you, never saw you, never knew I had a father who was a king. He goes, yes, well, your mother thought it would be easier for you. Yeah, blame the mom if you didn't have to worry about some father who was 8,000 miles away. Well, she must have been right. You look like quite a together kid. He goes, I heard about that man that tried to get you. Now I never would have come here. I never would have come here if I thought anything was going to happen to you. He goes, I'm okay, really. He goes, I tried to look up Kept Far in the encyclopedia. <laughs> I love this. He goes, <laughs> he goes, uh, yes, I, I keep forgetting to send back the, that questionnaire. <laughs> That's funny. So kind of. Ice has been broken here, which is nice. You know, you don't want in, there to be animosity and all that. Um, but a um, little too little too late at this point because now we got Sorokov and Crowley ready to, to pounce on them uh, in, a, in a second here. And they come through with their guns. And then they're taking them out of the apartment and uh, throwing them in the van. Now, as they're doing that, uh, Lee is pulling up uh, and meeting Billy outside of the embassy. And they're like, Terry, he goes, he never showed up. He goes, where's Amanda? He goes, right behind me with Sandra. And I've got some interesting info from the doctors. And then they look and uh, he's like, oh boy, the king is suffering from an overload of vitamin A. He goes, is that all? He goes, well, apparently too much vitamin A causes a condition that mimics the early signs of a brain tumor. He goes, well, you better be careful how you break the news to him, huh? Might do him in. So Amanda and Sandra then pull around uh, to the corner and they see the uh, bad guys trying to shove Terry and Edmund into the to the van. Now, as Sandra pulls up, she pulls up just so that Amanda can't open her, her car door. This doesn't actually happen um, in the script. It's a little bit different. Uh, she just pulls up and gets out so fast that Amanda can't react fast enough and then when the bad guy turns, Amanda ducks down in the seat so that he doesn't see her. But in this, Amanda can't get out because the garbage is blocking her door. And then she pulls up, gets over to the driver's side and fo- starts following the the uh, the van. Now, there is a really fun video, a behind the scenes video. It's on one of my, uh, it's on my channel, uh, uh, my YouTube channel under TJSMKLVR. And it has, it's like a, behind the scenes, inside look kind of one of those magazine, you know, like um, uh, inside edition type shows. And it's got them filming this. And this is where they were filming it right outside of here. And, um, and Kate comes, somebody drives her and then they stop and she goes, that man's a wild man or something like that about the guys driving. I can't remember. Uh, it was really cute, cute though. Yeah. And then uh, her and Bruce kiss uh, uh, just a quick little peck on the lips. It's really cute. So that's a fun video. We'll have to see if we can find it. Anyway, so Amanda now has followed the van. The van is just peeled off um, past Lee and Billy. And Amanda comes up, stops, and and honks at him. And then they come running and jump in. Now, in the script, Amanda is driving and not Lee. But in this version, in the film version, we actually see uh, Billy driving. But in the script, uh, they're like telling Amanda, now stay back, you know, don't just let them, don't scare them off, you know, that sort of thing. But in here, uh, they just have Amanda uh, move over to the uh, passenger side. He's like, what? She goes, come on, come on. He goes, what is it? She, go- she goes, follow the van. <laughs> she gets her seatbelt on, of course. <laughs> and then he- they peel off right after the van. They follow them to the airport 
But in the script, remember I said in the beginning, they actually are at the Chesapeake dock again, getting on the boat, uh, on the ship. And uh, so all this takes place in a, a completely different spot. But now they've got Sandra, Terry, and Edmund, the whole family, and they're they're going to uh, get them up in the air and then throw them out of the plane is pretty much their plan. Lovely, huh? Skydiving without any uh, right, uh, parachutes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So Edmund makes the mistake of going at Crowley and then Crowley punches him in the stomach. So they're trying to help him. And so they get there just right after. Lisa's he's going to go around the back of, of the hangar. I don't know exactly what they're doing. Why they're just, they're putting him in a, like a little uh, supply closet area. I guess they're getting the plane ready. That's probably what they're doing. And Sandra's asking if he's all right. He goes, I just put a down payment on the ranch, Sandra. <laughs> Being alive in any condition is groovy. Besides, I always wanted to do something for my son. Now, let's fi- get, let's figure out how we can get out of this mess. I? 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 Hmm. All right. So, Amanda's moved from the passenger seat to the driver's seat to the passenger seat. Now back to the driver's seat in the past, yeah. like, 10 minutes. So, he's telling her to stay there in case they need uh, her to go and get some help. One of a million times he's told her to stay put. And anybody want to take bets on if she listens to him? (laughs) Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Not going to take that bet. So, now, Lee and... And when they call for backup at this point, I mean, isn't that, like, protocol that they need to call for backup? You'd think. Especially when a a foreign dignitary is involved. Yeah. So now Lee and Billy are making their way in and into the hangar. And Sandra and Terry are now yelling and saying, please help. The man is dying. Help us. And you would think Sorokoff would just be like, fine, he's dying. He's going to die anyways. I'm going to kill him. So this will just save me time. Why would he even go in there? I don't understand. But yeah, obviously he I needs know, to. <laughs> yeah, right? I was thinking that. I was like, whatever. It's not like you care if he's dying, right? He's going to die anyways. Yeah. I'll just throw a dead body out of the place. Yeah. yeah. So he comes in and, and uh, Edmund's on the floor and he makes him move away. And then Terry hits him over the over the back with a... a a board. So now Terry's got him with a chuckle block o shake and a, uh, a two by four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're, they're definitely not. Right. So the three of them escape the room and uh, Crowley's shooting at them uh, blindly. And Billy and uh, Lee are coming in trying to, trying to find them and, and help them. Uh, and they obviously hear the gunshots. And Amanda goes to reach for the car, car keys. And she's like, he took the keys. <laughs> So she, now she can't even go anywhere. Lee's going over kind of the wall to try and uh, get a bird's eye view of what's going on. And it's like just <laughs> Lee shoots at him and then uh, that wasn't Lee or Bruce. I mean, uh, and then uh, Crowley shoots at Lee and then chases after the family again. And of course, Amanda then sneaks inside and she's not supposed to. So Billy sneaks up on uh, Sorokoff and takes him <laughs> He's like, hold it. And the guy's like, oh, man. He barely hit him with a two by four. And the guy's acting like he's been out for a half hour. Yep. <laughs> not a good not a good Soviet uh, spy, for sure. <laughs> he is short, too. I think he's shorter than, than Mel. <laughs> <laughs> so now uh, Crowley's got the family pinned down. He's like, nobody breathe. No one's going anywhere this time. And Amanda sneaks in. He goes, this is between us, Crowley. 
And then Lee says, that's far enough, Crowley. Crowley grabs the kid and uh, he's got a little hostage. So he's got his back to the wall and Sorokov and Crowley are kind of pinned up against it, but they still have the kid there to help them, uh, you know, keep them at bay, I guess. And Amanda comes up behind the wall and she's got like a paint can and throws it down on the ground and then they they <laughs> scatter and then Crowley just shoots blindly and hits uh Edmund in the in the leg and then Amanda pops up she's like a prairie dog you know like a yeah. those little prairie that pops up goes back down and he goes you don't follow orders very well and she goes well I know I'll try and work on that she goes see you later and then she goes back down <laughs> That's cute. And then he just shakes his head like, that's my Amanda. Right. (laughs) All right. So then we have the tag. In the script, it's a little more fancy because, you know, the writers get all fancy and then they have to dumb it down because it's too expensive. So what happens is on Amanda, she appears and catches Sandra's eye. Crowley and Sorokoff don't see her. King Edmund rises into view above them. Like Errol Flynn, he is holding a rope coming from deck Derek. This is again in the boat. Only Amanda is positioned to see him. Lee says, you've got nowhere to go. Go, Crowley. And he says, uh, and then says, uh, the script says, seeing that Edmund is about to swing off the top of the wheelhouse, Amanda times her move. She dives, knocking Terry down just as Edmund swings into Crowley. So he's kind of like Errol Flynn just flying in like a Zorro, you know, (laughs) with a swashbuckling thing, you know. And that's why in... The next scene, when he comes, when they're talking, he goes, it's true, Captafar was first settled by swashbucklers. That's why they have that in there, is because he was like, you know, being Errol Flynn uh, Zorro coming through uh, like a, a pirate. And then, then how the script goes, because the script isn't as cute as the actual, will end on the nice one. <laughs> they, they say about the, the swashbuckling thing. And then uh, Billy says about having to for Lee to have to learn how to play the saxophone if they're going to keep the relationships up, right? And then Amanda, yeah. maybe the fairy tale will come true and Cap Defar will get a new queen and prince. And Lee says, maybe, one thing's for sure, he's quite a character. He calls out, I see you took a firm stand on the tantalum, Billy. Nice work. And then Billy is walking onto the stage with his sax. If we keep diplomatic relations with Cap Defar, you'll be learning to play this thing. And then that's uh, all Billy gets to say before King Edmund gives a downbeat and the combo launches into a hot bebop. You'd like that, Lexi. A bebop chart. And then they fade out. So that's how it ends uh, in the script. But it's way cuter and the actual uh, film version. Uh, so that's yeah. that's... It's so sweet. I love this. I'll say overall, we had smiles in the scene that would melt tantalum. No <laughs> doubt, woman. Well said. <laughs> well That's said. So true. So true. I mean, seriously. <laughs> I know. Oh, and they're so cute. And they are like holding hands like, oh, my goodness. Forget about it. They're just so like they might as well just get into bed together at that point. They're just like all over each other. It's so cute. Yeah. I love it. Well, it's cute because you kind of see that maybe there's still some spark between Edmund and Sandra. And yeah. uh, he's like, did you ask your mom? And she's like, what? And he says, you know, he dad wants me to go to uh, Captain Far just for a week. 
uh, in June. And he goes, what are you doing in June? So like, he wants her to come too. So that's kind of sweet. You know, if it, if yeah. it can, you know, after all these years, 16 years later, you know, they can. Maybe the whole guano will be a little more appealing. Yeah, you know maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know, maybe. Maybe he's grown. You know, he's maybe definitely he's an older, director. older guy now. Maybe he's learned and doesn't need to play with the young things anymore. And he's ready to settle down. Maybe. Maybe that's just like me that. wanting a happy ending. <laughs> What'd you say? I said I like the optimism. Yeah, you never know. Uh, you never know. You never know. And then we have, once they've had their little family moment, then we get to focus on the sweet, sexy smiles and hand-holding uh, that is all SMK. It's lovely. Yeah. And Billy comes in and, and uh, he's like, hey, it's an hour before curtain time. Now... Amanda and Lee have their arms all the way around each other. Like, not just like sitting there, like they are, their hands are around each other. They are so dating at this point. Yeah. So dating. Yes. And then they look at each other really sweet. And then uh, we have like a flip screen where it's like time, you know, it's an hour later kind of thing. Billy mentions that you're going to have to learn to play this thing, you know, like if we're going to keep up the relations with uh, Captafar. <laughs> Which is cute. And so then they're clapping hands. They were holding hands really tight and then they had to let go so they could clap. But then they're back holding hands again. They're really playing though. It's really cute. And then Amanda says, I got a feeling everybody's going to And she's got her hands all over his and he's got his in there. Oh, that's so sweet. Very cute. And then it ends on your sensational sidekick, Lexi, uh, playing the sure sax. Is. It's very cute. This is a good one. This is underestimated episode, I think. There's some sweet moments in it. Definitely. I love the shoe store thing. It's so fun. It's so much better in the script. (laughs) (laughs) Cracks me up, that creepy ass guy. Yeah. (laughs) And that's how that one ends. But it's a good one. And I do think it Mm -hmm. needs to be at the end here because they're practically on each other's laps. I mean, my goodness. Not that I mind, believe me. Right. They're adorable. Amanda are very sweet. Yeah, they're very sweet. And they're very, um, they're not arguing anymore, which is nice, like in wrong number. And, you know, they're not like just prickly at each other anymore. It's just a very sweet, really getting very comfortable with each other. Ernie the camera brings you videos from the video vault. The first song selected to represent this episode is Big Handsome Man by Imelda May. The clips for this video are put together by Moxie's SK Vids including a nice long showcase of King Edmund and Billy Blue Note playing their instruments. So make sure you watch out for that. The second song is all about Lee and his wonderful life as a handsome undercover spy. In this case, he's getting a little too much attention from women undercover at the beginning of this episode. The video was created by Little Chameleon to the song Walk of Life by Dire Straits, which is a great song. Videos are on YouTube, and we provided links on our website at nkcpodcast.com. It's time for Dottie's Bookshelf. Dottie has pulled together two fanfic recommendations that tie into this episode, The Boy Who Could Be King. Her first recommendation is Lipstick, written by Jenny Joy 72 in June of 2015. It has just under 3,000 words. Amanda calls Lee to the carpet, not only on the lipstick all over his face, but on his notorious dating habits. Cue flirtatious banter. Donnie's second recommendation is Mistaken Identity, written by Alaskan fan in May of 2016. The story is just under 2,000 words. It is a prequel to the episode based on the conversation Lee and Beeman have in the early part of the episode. How exactly did Lee get into so much trouble with a simple pickup? 
You'll have to read the story to find out. We hope you enjoyed these recommendations. As always, we'll provide links to them on our website in the show notes. You can also find them on factfiction.net. Thank you for joining us as we discuss the musical episode, The Boy Who Could Be King. We hope you join us next time for the final episode of Season 3, All the World's a Stage. Until then, check out our website at nkcpodcast.com and our Twitter and Facebook pages at NKC Podcast for episode discussions and photos. If you haven't already, join our NKC Facebook group for more detailed discussions and episode information. Until then, take care from all of us at Mrs. King's Chronicles. Bye. 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 Bye.